we have gone live. Live again. Live, live. but not the band, luckily. What's wrong with live? What isn't wrong with live? Oh my God, you're starting already. We haven't even, we barely started the show. Already the arguments are starting, which means it'll be good. They alone tempt you. I alone want to punch you. <laughs> How about that? How about them apples? Look, even yeah, Roger's well. all up in arms about that too. He's just like, screw this. I'm not watching this guy. I'm going to go play over here on my chair. There's no way Roger likes live. He does. He does. He, can't. he, he does. Can't. You know why he does? Because I do. How about that? No. How no. about them apples? You, I don't buy that you like them either. I think you're just saying that just to be a dick. Throwing Copper's a great album. You can't tell me it's not a great album. I just did. It's not a good album. All right. Listen, we're, because of you, we're down to one viewer. <laughs> just because of me? Did we start uh -huh. with more? Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. We did. We did. We had two. We had two. That, we're back to two. And it's by go. no, by none of your doing at all. How many so. of the two people that are watching, how many of them like live? I don't know, but Mark Garney's probably one of them, and I'm sure he likes them. No, Mark Garney has good taste in music. There's no way oh, he likes them. you know what? See, it's back down to one again. See? You, you just keep uh, back up to two. See? You know. Would somebody just come and stay? Can we get to three cause, so we could start the damn? Somebody call a friend and just be like, oh, oh, there's three. All right, we got three. There we Ready? Go. That means we time. can do the intro. Intro time. We have the intro. Let's Cover to Covered is a podcast that features two idiots talking about music at length, and occasionally a dog does make an appearance. There will also be special guests from time to time that will show up, and they will be smarter than the hosts. And the hosts will give their opinions. By the way, they are exactly that opinions they're not truths they are not fallacies and they do not reflect the views or opinions of their employers or those they employ so with that just enjoy the damn show How about and Lars with the line through? That was <laughs> you like amazing. that one? Yeah, that was customized by me. Custom. That was great. Custom, I say. So, welcome to Cover to Covered. My name is Mike Venezia. That is Nick Morocco. Nick, what store do you own? Rock City Music Company. And where is it? Livonia, Michigan. And where can we find you? RockCityMusicCo.com, or if you're local, you can find us on the southwest corner of Five Mile and Farmington. Yes, not Eight Mile. No. <laughs> No, the eight mile, the part of eight mile we're by wouldn't even be shown in that movie. It's spaghetti, much too nice. Spaghetti, spaghetti, spaghetti. I just walked past the uh, Eminem Mom Spaghetti restaurant a couple weeks ago when I went to see Anthrax. Did you get spaghetti? I did not. Why not? I can't remember. If Gall <laughs> McCartney's on here, what did we eat after Anthrax, Gall McCartney? <laughs> Obviously, it was uh, something delicious that uh, Gall McCartney obviously didn't make. 
No, no. If he had made it, it wouldn't have been good. Exactly. So, hi. Well, you didn't go to Eight Mile. I haven't gone to Eight Mile because I'm in San Diego and you were in Detroit, and we got a lot to go over. So, little recap from last week. Oh God, it was <laughs> it was been, it was a legendary. It was a legendary episode for those of you that didn't see it. So last week we had Yachtly Crew on, a couple of members of Yachtly Crew. We had a whole Yacht Rock episode. And boy, did Sailor Hawkins drink like a drunken sailor. Um, I happened to see him on Labor Day at a party. And uh, he's like, you know, I guess if we get like any more popular, I may ask you to edit that. (laughs) (laughs) He was not happy that I did not like Dreams by Van Halen. Oh, no, he was so annoyed. I've never seen somebody so angry about somebody. And uh, this is including us. Like, I've never seen anybody so angry at not liking a song, like, ever. Like, he was, it's like you killed his mom. (laughs) I haven't seen somebody that angry since somebody asked me what I thought about Dreams by Van Halen. (laughs) (laughs) Which was me. Um, (laughs) That was awesome. So, anyway, a couple of notes about those guys, just if anybody wanted a a quick follow-up. There was something they couldn't talk about that they actually uh, announced, I believe it was yesterday. And that is, um, these guys are doing great. All right, Yachtly Crew are doing great. And they now have a residency in Las Vegas. Ooh. Which is pretty awesome. So if you go to yachtlycrew.com or if you go to yachtrockband.com, check out their website, see all the information. They have a residency at the Palms. And they're doing uh, a weekend in November, a weekend in December, a weekend in February. And uh, it's it's good for them because they deserve it. I mean, they are just so much fun to watch. And uh, lucky me, I get to see them this Friday down here by me. So congrats. That's awesome. Good for them. I want to come out there for that. You know, I've never been to Las Vegas. Really? Never. Wow. Well, there's that whole New Year's thing. It's pretty cool. And they're playing the day two days before and the day before New Year's. So uh, you should come out for that. And then Maybe we'll figure out where they're playing. Then we'll figure out where they're playing on New Year's, and we'll go to that. <laughs> I want to. They need to play something around the Nam show. They might. That's April. Who knows? Um, Why don't you, you book know. them for some private party at La Casa Garcia, Mike? Wouldn't that be the best? It would be five pound burritos show? for everybody. Ah! <laughs> oh my God, that would be so good. Burritos for all. We're we're in this together. They won't serve the chips, though. That's for sure. Not enough chips. He's Shout like, oh, out we to have our some buddy more JR. Yeah, JR, the man who ordered the chips and got like three. <laughs> and was uh, noticeably and understandably pissed. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Flan for the table is always a must. <laughs> yes, you're right, Gall McCartney. He is, he is 100% correct on that one. You need a flan for the table. Yes, you do. I don't care who you are. Um, so anyway, so that was a little bit about last week. And then a couple of weeks from now, I'm working on a guest. I don't want to jinx it. So we'll see. I'm waiting for an answer. Hopefully they're able to do it. Um, and if they are able to do it, what we are going to do is, um, this week we're doing a drummer roundup. Uh, but two weeks from now, if they come on, if this band comes on, we're going to do a, we're going to do a power pop band roundup. Oh, well, that be ought to be awesome. easy. That ought to yeah. be easy. There's only one answer. Well, not who's number one, just, you know, power pop band roundup. I mean, and there are several. Yes, but you know. there's one one outstanding pick. Does it rhyme with Mellyfish? <laughs> I don't know. Mike, does it? 
<laughs> you tell me. You're the one who said it. <laughs> I would I would put them at the top. Yes. There you go. So we'll uh, I'll we'll know more in a couple of days. I hope and uh, get that ironed out. Uh, we will be off next week. I will be on the road, so I will not be able to um, make uh, anything. And I think Nick, you're going to be doing some recording or something like that. Yep. So I had to mo- I had to move it from this Wednesday to next Wednesday. And I appreciate that as well. So um, so this week though, we are going to talk about drummers. Going to do a drummer roundup. Um, oh, Dennis Smith has a very good point. Uh, if your guest is Springsteen, I will be busy doing something else. And you know what? Dennis is so right because so would I. Dennis says that, and you say that, but if Bruce Springsteen was on the show, you'd be, tell everyone, we're going to get so many views. Well, of course, we'd get at least 30 viewers. Yeah, right. Okay. And you Dennis know. would be here because he'd be trolling the comments. <laughs> of course. And that would be awesome. Uh, so yeah, we will, we will know, uh, in a couple of days, if we're going to have a special guest in a couple of weeks, if not, I'm going to work on a couple of different things because having the guests is fun. Let's be honest. Yes, it is. Yeah. It, it changes it everything and up. Interesting. So, um, so for today, like I mentioned, we're going to talk drummer roundup. Now uh, we'll get into that in a minute, but first and foremost, Nick, what are you listening to? You know, I couldn't wait to get on here and talk about this because you're the only other person, Mike that i know that has a dolby atmos configuration ah yes and I sure do and lately of course you know i think you can speak to the seeing a movie in 4k in your house anything that's got the atmos sound on it it just brings it to a whole new level uh, i think i messaged you that i watched apocalypse now last week and it was just Which phenomenal is one of the top three movies to see with dolby atmos around i mean that first of all the visuals are amazing as it is but then you add in the audio factor that's been remixed oh my god sounds so good and and just a quick overview for those that don't know what dolby atmos is 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 it's a it's how would you describe it like it's a mixing technology that gives with with the right setup gives height to the sound and and puts you basically in the center of it so in the case of apocalypse now when a helicopter flies by it pans you where it feels like you're standing on the beach essentially yes uh, uh, from a from a broad spectrum that's what it is for those of you that the uninitiated there's different ways to watch a movie there's different ways to listen to music. There's lots of different ways to, to absorb And, and, and we're going to come to the music thing. That's yeah. what I'm getting at, yeah. So if we look at it from, let's take it from a stereo. Stereo is two speakers, left and right, okay? So you're not getting a surround sound. You're getting direct reflections left and right with stereo separation. So your brain perceives it and blends it together, hearing left and right sounds, blending for one one not generic, but one general sound overall, creating a specific sound field. Then there's surround sound type things. Now there's something called 2.1, all right? 2.1 means a left and right and a subwoofer. So that means that your stereo system is bypassing, is taking the bass frequencies below a certain level and rerouting it to your subwoofer. So it's taking the drive away from your main speakers, having them focus strictly on on mid range, like everything from high end to low mid, right? Yep. And your subwoofer is picking up and doing all the heavy lifting on the low end. All right. Then there's Dolby 5.1. All right. And then there's there's other there's DTS 7.1 9.2. Exactly. So anything where there's a number point the number it's how many main speakers point subwoofers essentially 
Okay. Uh, then there's things like 7.1, like you mentioned, but then there's 7.1.2, uh, like all these other strange numbers. Now you start to get into like the Dolby Atmos thing. So Dolby digital is generally 5.1 or 7.1 where you have in a 5.1 configuration, you have a left, a right, a center channel. Okay. Two rear channels and a subwoofer, right? So you have the five plus one, 7.1, you have left, center, right, two mids, two surround, and a subwoofer. Now, Dolby Atmos goes even further than that, and that makes it more like a 9.1, yep. which is 9.2 is ideal, point, but two yeah, subs. that's two subs. Yeah. But 9.1, 9.2, whichever way you want to do it. So you have left, center, right mids rears and then above you you have a speaker those are the atmos speakers or like atmosphere now there are two different placements well actually three different placements for them one is up above you in the rear reflecting forward down like on a down angle okay the other is at the front by the screen reflecting downward at you the third, which a lot of people use because they can't ceiling mount things, is on top of your left and right speaker, upwards at an angle, reflecting off the ceiling and then bouncing back towards you at your listening position. So that envelops you in sound. That's what Dolby Atmos is. Yes. And yes, Dennis Smith, <laughs> I am absolutely being your best buy guy for today right? because this is in my freaking wheelhouse. So. Yes. <laughs> no, but you know, you're absolutely, that's I'm glad you explained it because what, the biggest thing you need to understand is the sound envelops you and there's height to it. Yeah. So Tidal, the streaming service, um, they have a lot of stuff and I know it's starting to go to other platforms, but um, they stream a ton of Atmos music. So I spent a good portion of Saturday and Sunday testing out different different genres of music r&b some hip-hop some rock some some jazz they got a lot of great stuff on that service and uh were you listening at best buy with dennis i was not listening at best buy i was listening in my basement in fact just behind me okay, i was listening <laughs> but there was so much great stuff and the sound is just unbelievable it i really i is. mean i uh the Doors stuff sounded amazing. Of course, oh, yeah. Rush moving pictures, uh, mind-blowing. But without a doubt, the top track I played and heard and just couldn't believe my ears was Day in the Life, Beatles off Sgt. Pepper. Just incredible. I mean, you, and, and that song's incredible in general, but this version in particular... And how it sounds in the Atmos setup was just—I mean, it was—it was good enough. I—I could have cried. It was—it was amazing. So, having said all of that, what I was leading into was I've been playing a bunch of this stuff in Atmos and a bunch of Beatles stuff in Atmos just in time for today. That revolver box set to get announced. Oh man, you know I saw that, and I saw you comment on whoever it was like. Hey, you know, I really can't wait. I think I'm just going to wait until the Giles Martin version, remix version comes out. And you're like, this is it. Yeah, right. This what is the one. For? What are you waiting for? <laughs> so I was like, you know. <laughs> What's happening, baby? Exactly. So you know what I wanted to yell at that guy? Fuck you. I was like, yeah, dick. 
What are you thinking? They're just going to put out like a just revolver just because? No. Yeah, again. Yeah, again for the fifteenth <laughs> time. Yeah, so. it, but that that box is going to be amazing. Lots of outtakes. But here's oh, the yeah. thing: the last three Beatles boxes, so Sergeant Pepper, or I'm sorry, four Sergeant Pepper, White Album, Abbey Road, Let It Be, all came with Blu-ray discs that had the yep. Atmos mix mm-hmm. and the 5.1. Revolver is not coming with the disc. The Atmos mix for Revolver is going to be streaming only for whatever reason. I don't know why that is. It's huh. bizarre, and it's a total left field thing. I don't know because they've been the ones that have really been pushing those Blu-ray discs, but no Blu-ray with this set, which I'm kind of shocked by. That is actually really interesting. The only thing that I can think of, well, no. I mean, I, I guess it couldn't be the case. I was going to say maybe they weren't able to do an Atmos mix with it, but... If they're doing it as a streaming thing, it'll stream on title. In fact, I, di- I didn't get a chance. I wanted to play it before we came on here just so I could hear it. But mm. t- um, title has already a preview of the Atmos mix with Taxman is available to play already. Oh, OK. That's cool. So so now, yeah. do you need a specific title player in order to use the title service. No, all I do is I just Bluetooth from my phone using the title app to my Atmos receiver and it does it. You know, the, the problem that I have with that is that anything over Bluetooth instantly, the compression that goes into it kind of kills it a bit. The I good agree. news is that you'll get the separation, the Atmos separation. But as far as fidelity, I think you lose something. Well, here's I, the thing with Tidal. They stream in the highest bit rate possible. Mm-hmm. So if you have a good Internet connection, with which you and I always talk about, yeah. if you have a good Internet connection, you do get decent fidelity. It's not like playing it off of Spotify, which is just horrendous. But um, you're right. You're absolutely right. A disc would be much better. And that's why for and I think audiophiles and, and Beatles fans go hand in hand yeah. for sure. So Very I'm much. really surprised for them specifically that there's no Blu-ray disc. I'm really shocked by that. Yeah, that, that one's that one's a little bit of a head scratcher, but maybe we'll find out why. Maybe it's something where it's a separate entity like a CD set alone because they do that, too. You yep. know, I yep. mean, just like with, um, you know, with the with the Kiss Destroyer box set, you know, the big box set was CDs only and you had to buy LP separate. Yep. But the CD box came with the Atmos mix. Yes. So, and, and, and I see Jerry Leica brought that up. How about Great Expectations by Kiss? The yeah. Atmos mix that Stephen Wilson did for Kiss Destroyer is absolutely unbelievable. Bulletproof. Bulletproof. And, I, <laughs> and, and to be fair, I cannot believe that, that uh, there was so much audiophile care put into Kiss Destroyer. I'm glad it was because it, was des- it deserved it. But, like, I would well, never frankly, thought... It's a- but it's their most orchestrated album. So, I mean, it's, you know, in, in, in many, many ways, you know. I mean, it's no elder. Yeah, well, what is? <laughs> what is? And hopefully nothing else. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's not unmasked. Right. I mean, oh, I love unmasked. On. Don't be ragging on unmasked. <laughs> hey, I just, had a, I just had one delivered today, okay? Really? OG, super clean, yeah. Beautiful. Good for yep. you. So and so that makes number two because I have every freaking Kiss album twice. Um, because don't get me you know. started on that. Yeah, well, I won't. Um, <laughs> you know what else I picked up uh, last week, which was pretty awesome, and this goes into what I'm listening to right now. I was uh, doing the crate digging, <laughs> crate diving, always my favorite sport to do on a Friday or something like that at my local local uh, record store, and 
Super Tramp, Breakfast in America. Oh, my God. Did you get the MoFi? Three bucks. Three bucks. It was not MoFi. <laughs> Three bucks. But it was, and it was dirty. But I cleaned it up. Plays great. Sounds great. OG copy. Player copy. Not collectible. Um, but it is OG. So there is that. And, and that's one of those records that the original press is, I mean, it sounds fucking fantastic yeah but. it does it really does and and it holds up so i but also the picked mofi up a, digital or not digital kicks the shit out of the original i want the mofi version for sure but finding one for less than like 200 dollars right now is uh, finding it to be a little bit difficult however i did pick up a couple of things that are on their way okay i picked up roll the bones by rush i got an og european copy uh oh. So that had to be not cheap. It wasn't that bad. I found one for about a hundred bucks. That isn't bad. No. And you know what else I got? You know what else I got, Nick? What have I been asking you for for years? Kiss the originals. Yes. You got a copy. I got a copy. It's on is its it, way. Is it complete? Complete. Ooh. Card set, sticker. Booklet. Book. Yep. Japanese Kiss, version. Japanese Kiss Army version. sign up? I don't know because it's a Japanese version, so I don't know. But it's OG. No Obi, but I'm all right with that. Yeah, yeah. I don't can care less about that, to be honest with you, because that without the Obi was less than like a U.S. version with everything as well. I, I, yeah. All right. Jerry Laika is a massive Kiss fan, so he's probably appreciating this too. Oh, yeah. So that made me happy. Can't wait to get that. It'll probably get here when I'm on the road next week, and I'll have to wait till I get home. But with that said, what's coming out this Friday? So, well, let's go to Kiss. Let's talk about Kiss. Yes. The next, the next release in the Off the Soundboard series is coming out this Friday. And finally, for the fourth release, we're getting classic era Kiss. Off the Soundboard, 1977, Des Moines, Iowa. Recorded on the Alive 2 tour, Glory Era of Kiss. Of course, you're talking Love Gun and Back is the whole set list. And uh, this show has circulated for a long time in in, um, in bootleg form. Um, but this is supposedly soundboard audio, and it should sound great. And I can't wait for it. I'll get, I'll get to hear it tomorrow because that's one of the perks of owning a record store. Well, you're going to put one aside for me, right? I can put one aside for you. Yes, I would sir. like you to put one aside for me because I want that. The only one I don't have is the Virginia Beach one, and I don't want that one. So Okay, so Kiss fan numero uno over here. I don't have any of them. I have the other two. I have Tokyo, and I have Donington. I just know, like, I'm not, go I'm not going to listen to them. This, however, I will listen to probably extensively. Yeah, well, I mean, it's classic era, and you figure, like, they're at the top of their game, and it's yes. going to sound great, and what have you. I will say the Tokyo Dome one is pretty good. Um, the Donington one is sketch. Yeah. <laughs> and the Virginia Beach one, no thanks. I haven't even listened to it because I don't even want to. So, like, no, thank you. No, that's all right. But this um, one should be great because, like I said, I mean, this is a this is a um, highly rated Kiss show in the fan circle. So, um, if you're looking for Glory era Kiss, and it, that's different from Alive too, because what you get in yeah, this show, it's different. 
Well, it's different significantly because you get the show as it happened. Alive 2 is put together. There's some sound check recordings on there. And uh, and there's nothing that was done on Alive 1. You got so. it. So this one has Black Diamond, Rock and Roll All Night mixed in with Detroit Rock City and Love Gun and, and Shock Me. and all. And it. So I'm really stoked for this. I, I think it's going to be great. So Yeah, it'll be cool. And hopefully this kicks open the door to Kiss putting out more of the best era of them. Well, like this. Be, that would be a good thing. Let's Jerry like a creature's box set. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Um, what else is coming out? Of course, the uh, new Ozzy album, Patient Number no. 9. Mm -hmm. There's a regular black vinyl. There's an indie store exclusive on violet vinyl. And the deluxe edition includes the indie store vinyl, ex uh, vinyl color and a bonus comic book. Because that's what we need. And... Uh, let me let you in on a little secret here that I'm aware of. Ozzy's moving back to the UK? No, Stern Pinball's about to announce a new Ozzy pinball machine. Oh, I don't so, care. I want the Rush pinball machine. That's what I, I have that. I know, and I hate I you that. for it. Um, and then also coming out this week, something I wanted to spotlight. The first three Reverend Horton Heat albums on Sub Pop, which are full gospel sounds of Reverend Horton Heat, Liquor in the Front, and Smoke Em If You Got Em. Three crushing great rock records, of course, with the rockabilly influence, but this is when they're throwing down. It's got that punk influence to it. You can't beat any of those records. They're on uh, Coke bottle clear vinyl, crystal vinyl, and then just straight up clear vinyl. So it sounds like three different shades of clear vinyl, if you ask me, but um, these records haven't been in print since their original run on vinyl. CDs have been in print the whole time, but uh, I'm really stoked about these. I've got a, I've got OG presses, but uh, can't say enough about these records. No, and the Rev is great. He's fantastic. And uh, Rock City alumni, three times we've had the Rev. The Rev, three times, and he kept coming back. He kept coming back. He loves my place. <laughs> we email occasionally. Um, and then other releases from Tedeschi Trucks Band, Deep Purple, Danzig, and Flogging Molly coming out this week. I'm surprised you didn't highlight the Deep Purple one being how big of a fan you are. It's a 1995 live record. So nobody cares. Uh, I, I don't. <laughs> Which, again, is surprising. I'm, I'm actually kind of stunned. Yes. All right. So uh, let's let's give Mark Garney a, a little props here. By the way, he just had a sweet find, Alan Parsons Project, iRobot, and The Turn of a Friendly Card, both original pressings, both very clean vinyl. Both were a dollar each. Yeah, there you go. 50 cents more than he should have paid. <laughs> he, he bought Tapestry and The Stranger at the store yesterday. Well, he said he was listening to, to Tapestry right now. So. There you and go. Look, I mean, we talked about that on one of our first episodes, you know, like albums that are just perfect. Yep. And that is that is definitely up there as, as a perfect album. So. All right. Well, let's get right into it um, this week. Well, before we get into it, there was a reason why I picked this topic for this week. And Nick, you know why. And it's basically because we need to talk about the Taylor Hawkins Memorial Concert that happened this past weekend. Um, and to me. It seemed like this was obviously it was a memorial for Taylor Hawkins. But it also seemed like an audition. Mm -hmm. Maybe not intentionally, but it kind of was. If the Foo Fighters are going to continue, it's going to be somebody that was on that stage this weekend playing drums that will be the Foo Fighters drummer going forward. Yes, and I believe, me personally, I watched everybody 
uh, very uh, intently. And uh, my vote, without a doubt, goes to Rufus Taylor. He was one of my two. He, he absolutely yep. was amazing. Um, you know, he's great in the darkness. Of course, he comes from lineage of one, lineage. Of, the greatest, yeah, one of the greatest son, drummers yes. of all time. And, um, and I just thought, you know, he had the feel. He had the power. Um, he, let's be honest. He looks a little bit like Taylor. He looks eerily yes. like Taylor, which is probably one of the reasons why they probably wouldn't pick him. I thought about that, but, I mean, look at the situation like with Guns N' Roses with Richard Fortas, who's a fantastic guitar player. Richard Fortas looks a lot like Izzy Stradlin. Yeah, but, I mean, not not carbon copy. Not carbon copy, but I don't think that's, that, that's what they're looking for. But I feel, visually or, or not, it's like I felt like Rufus was the best fit. Of course, Omar Hakim one of the greatest drummers on the planet no doubt about it do i think he should be the drummer in the foo fighters no, no absolutely I think he, not i do think he should be the drummer in rush because <laughs> he was fucking phenomenal <laughs> i want to talk about that too because i i have well i don't know if i agree with you a hundred percent but he did a workman's like job but do i think that he would be like getty and alex looked a little uncomfortable with him back there I think, and they looked way more comfortable with Dave back there. But I, okay, so I think this is why, just from drummer's perspective, Dave Grohl is a feel powerhouse drummer. Omar Hakim is a technical, clinical drummer, and yes. I don't mean that disrespectfully. I no, mean, not at all. He's he's perfect, and I think the great thing, what we all love about Neil Peart or Peart, whichever you prefer is that he had feel and 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 rock punch from loving guys like Keith Moon and things like that but he also had the technical proficiency to be Neil Peart and yeah. i i think at when you get down to the heart of it Rush are a rock band they're yeah. not they're not a yes they're the kings of prog but they're rooted in rock yeah they're not genesis let's say no they're not genesis they're not yes they are they're they're a diluted version of prog in that regard but they're what is commonly thought of as prog rock if you say prog rock they like you go to the band exactly you know that's where you go but what i think is great about omar hakeem in that situation was if you're looking for a guy that is going to be able to play Neil's parts the way they sh- should be played in the sense of if you want it to sound like the record, that's the guy. That's the guy. Mike Portnoy would be my other choice, of course, because I think he bridges that gap. But but for the Foos uh, or for Rush? No, for Rush. I'm talking. Oh, okay. we, we Yeah, no sidebar for Rush. Yeah, no, okay. Foo Fighters. I'm, I got my I got my flag in the planet of Rufus Taylor. I think he should absolutely be the drummer. And Shane Hawkins was yes, amazing. That was that was my number two. He, he was because it was funny. Somebody I know actually posted this on Facebook and I agree a million percent. Somebody had said like, oh, yeah, he got all of his chops from his dad. And they're like, no, no, no. That was all Grohl. Yeah. Like he played the drums like Grohl would play that song, which is, you know, hey, Grohl played the drums on that album. He redid all the drum parts on Color and Shape. So, but I mean, like, could you imagine being that kid surrounded by all this drum influence? Not just your dad, not just your dad. Who's amazing. Who's fantastic. But Grohl and all these other guys. Right. Like, wow. Okay. And he played that song as if he were Grohl without, you know, without the the the, the grizzledness of, of a veteran you know yes 
He beat but the living it, piss out of the drums. But I do think that that unfortunately, that's why it can't be him because he's he's not experienced enough at that level. I think to function. He's sixteen. Exactly. Exactly. But I'm so, the question was the drummer of the Foo Fighters, if they continue, who would it be? I th Shane Hawkins is amazing, and whatever band he ends up in, he will be the star of it. No doubt about it. Fantastic drumming. Like you said, Grohl, he, I thought he looked a lot like his dad while he was playing, the way he was yeah. hitting and the way he did did certain things. His mannerisms were very much like his dad, but he played a lot like Grohl. You're absolutely yeah. right. But to me, like Josh Freeze, amazing drummer. Josh Freeze, one of the best drummers that nobody's ever heard of. Exactly, but I didn't think that that felt right. As soon as they came out, they started with him, and, I, and it didn't have the bounce like Taylor had. It didn't have the groove. And 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 again, not taking anything away from Josh Freeze, because everybody that played that day is a way better drummer than me. I'm not trying to <laughs> critique anybody's drumming. I'm just saying from a fan and stepping into the shoes of one of, let's be honest, one of the most iconic drummers of the last 30 years. I think you have to be at 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 this level. And I thought Travis Barker was fucking incredible. I thought he was great, but I just don't think he wouldn't it, work in the food. No, no, it doesn't make sense for him nah, to be the drummer. It, so it, that takes, he didn't look right. No, uh, it takes me back to Rufus Taylor. I think it should be him or I think it should be Chad Smith. And, uh, and I think Chad and, and the Foo Fighters and the Chili Peppers, I think could work that out because Matt Cameron's done it for a very long time or did it for a very long time with going between Soundgarden and Pearl Jam. So I do think, it's possible, and of course, Chad is just mind-blowing great, and I think he would play those songs awesome. But if it's who I saw the other day, it's Rufus Taylor. Yeah, Rufus Taylor would, would be my number one. Uh, I, I agree. Um, but Shane Hawkins, like, if he was in the band, like, they probably have to only do summers for now because he's still in <laughs> school or whatever, you know? All right. I don't think I would. First of all, you could see that more probably happening, Okay because a he's a young kid they can mold him however they want b not as if he doesn't have the chops c keep it in the family mm -hmm. and it'd be d way easier to transition for dave uh-huh you know? there's there's something to that dennis just pointed this out it's more than just being able yep. there has to be chemistry i agree yep, 100%. But that yep. i forgot to mention that's what had me land on rufus taylor because i felt like when you watch the band they were the most comfortable with him playing. Mm. It, it seemed the most like the Foo Fighters. That yeah. you, you didn't see them looking at the drummer. They were just playing. And, and I think, again, you're filling Taylor Hawkins' shoes. This is not an easy gig. And uh, I, I just thought he did it the best. I, I think skill-wise, chemistry-wise, it came off very confident to me yes. with him on the drums. That was, that, was the, that was the intangible that he had for me over Shane Hawkins was that that quiet confidence like he just destroyed it yeah he just absolutely destroyed it yep and you know 10 years from now that nandy girl she'll she'll be in the band yes and she's great too she's she, great too i was at the show at the la forum when they brought her out on stage and she played everlong and floored everybody yeah she's amazing she so is. and she's like 13 and i hate her talent <laughs> And let me just say, too, when you talk about talent, because I know there's a lot of people that aren't fans of Dave Grohl for whatever reason. I, th I think he's kind of like the rock and roll poster child that people are supposed to not like for whatever reason. Or you're supposed to love him just because he's Dave Grohl. Yeah. How about in the first hour 
of that tribute show, Dave Grohl played drums. He played bass. He played guitar. He emceed the fucking thing. Dave yeah. Grohl is, we should be so grateful that he's around because I don't think you find a better music fan or a bigger music fan at that level that is willing to just bust his ass to give everybody. And obviously, of course, it meant so much for him to give a great send off to Taylor. Oh, yeah. But I mean, mm -hmm. you got him drumming behind Liam Gallagher for for the Oasis stuff, drumming behind his daughter, playing bass for the Pretenders, you know. And before he comes out and fronts the the fucking Foo Fighters, I mean, it just for a full set, yeah, for a full set. I mean, just he's 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 incredible. I I have so much respect for Dave Grohl, and I and I uh, he's he's right at the top of my list of somebody I'd like to have a beer with. I <laughs> uh, I think he's at the top of a number of people's list for that, and. I already told you I blew my opportunity for that. So. Yes, yeah, you did tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> One of the I did I did I do that on the show? Mm -mm. Did I actually say I didn't? Oh, no, right. we talked about that at Nam. Okay, so uh, I had I've met Dave a couple of times. Uh, once was at a show at the Troubadour a million years ago. It was the first time I met him. It was really cool to meet him. Uh, next time was at a backyard party. And it was a barbecue in the person's house uh, was actually Josh, Josh Homme's house uh, that he shared with uh, Pete Stahl from Scream. So and Dave was there uh, with his girlfriend or whatever. And I had maybe had one or two or nine or 14, 14 beers at this point, uh, a little late in the day. <laughs> and I'm sitting in the living room, sunk into the chair. And and uh, I worked with with Pete Stahl's now wife. Uh, at the time uh, and uh, she's and she's introducing Dave everybody and oh and this is Mike and blah 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 and it's like oh very nice to meet you and I go how the fuck would you know <laughs> and he looked at me for a second and he was a little bewildered and he turned away and as he turned away he says I, well, I guess you're right I, I don't and, he <laughs> <laughs> and I thought I was like being funny and it came out completely wrong yeah right and i was like well there goes that and then i tried to apologize to him later and he, yeah, he was there was like 20 people between me and him so he's like yeah fuck off dude yeah but this is like <laughs> well before the foo fighters were at this crazy level like this is when he was like in you know about to well, he was playing with queens of the stone age the the album hadn't come out at that point but he was getting ready to do that album with them which we're going to bring up later because i have that on my list so. yes um so let's talk about some of the low lights from the show <laughs> Can we do this? Yeah, can we the, talk about can we talk about two very bad, very bad things? And I know that we're going to agree on one of them. We have to agree that why was Josh from Queens of the Stone Age singing Goodbye Yellow Brick Road? Oh, my who, God. Who thought that was a good idea? So bad. That guy, he's never been known for a range outside of here, you know, like outside of like. He sounded amazing on the David Bowie song. Oh, my I God. He, um, let's dance. He killed it. It was fantastic. And then Absolutely all of a sudden, amazing. I'm like, why is he singing Elton John? I mean, was, you're telling me out of all those people that were there that he was the best option to sing that song. It was a them crooked vultures thing. So I get it. But at the same time, at the same time, you drop the key to fit his range and he still couldn't do it. That was awful. That was Awful. not good. That was number really two. Not good. Number two. Lars right. Ulrich playing Let There Be no, Rock. No, no, no. Well, well, let that. He screwed that up completely. But, but here's the thing. It's not on my list. 
Why is that not on my list? Because I don't expect anything out of Lars. I expect him to screw up things like Back in Black and Let There Be Rock. I totally do not anticipate him doing anything right behind a drum kit. So for me, that was whatever. That was par for the course. For me, the second thing, and this hurt a lot, was Paul McCartney choosing Oh Darlin' to sing and just showed his age. Yeah, I, I really to, bad. Unfortunately, I have to agree, but I almost posted when it was going on because I saw all these people commenting shitty things. And uh, I get it. You're right. It's it's a song he shouldn't sing anymore. It's way out of his range. Paul's clearly having issues with his vocal cords that developed like in the last like two year. years. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I saw him in 2018 and he sounded fucking great. Yeah. So I mean, and, and that's fine. You know, he's 80 years old. What can you expect? But I just want to remind anybody or everybody, you can say whatever you want about Paul McCartney, but just remember, he's Paul McCartney. He is, but at the same time, he should know that he's Paul McCartney. And he even said, he's like, oh, we haven't, I have never performed this song live uh, since I wrote it back in the 60s. Right. And like, you probably should have kept it that way. Yeah. You know, Chrissy Hine did a great job with her parts. Yeah. And by the way, for a woman of her age, she looked damn good. So there's that too. Yeah. I, but, you're you're right. It was it was hard to watch Paul on that. But I thought he was. was great on Helter Skelter. Helter Skelter he held his own as yeah. much as possible. I mean, you know, but yeah, Oh Darlin probably was not that was not a good choice. And I understand he wanted to do a duet, but he could have picked any number of songs and figured that out. Well, and the other thing is, too, but in, and you have to put your I guess you have to put yourself in the situ in the position of the other players. Right. Who's going to tell Paul, you know, Paul, I don't know if we should do that. one. <laughs> you but know, the like, thing is, like, I, 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 I understand that. And you're absolutely right. But I would think that Paul McCartney would have even more sense to know that uh, maybe you know i have a legacy yeah and this is in front of like eighty thousand people and being broadcast worldwide yeah, like, and 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 and, right, and right. you know and uh, you know was it as bad as led zeppelin doing stairway to heaven with phil collins no, no. Well, nothing's that bad let's nothing be fair. was that bad. nothing is as horrible and yeah. a disgrace to a legacy more than phil collins playing drums for led zeppelin yeah but it wasn't good no, it was not. I, I I'll agree, and you know, I I will I will fight to the death about the Beatles, specifically Paul, because I think again, I I feel like we're so privileged to still be, to be alive when he's still out there performing, because a hundred years from now he's going to be remembered as, uh, like how we remember Beethoven and shit. Oh yeah, so, of course. So I I I always look at it as like I'm grateful to be here at the same time as McCartney and Dylan and all these people. But you're right. Somebody should have said, Paul, you know, we probably shouldn't sing Oh Darling. And by the way, uh, Mark is wondering if Phil Collins did play Stairway to Heaven with oh, Led Zeppelin. Oh, my God. It, Live Aid, 85. And I don't care what Robert Plant says. I'm pretty sure that that disaster is the reason why he does not want to play in Led Zeppelin anymore. Because Actually, I think, I think he has referenced that in one way or another. That's what I'm, I mean, they've done three three gigs since Bonham died, and that was one of them, and by far the largest scale one. 
and yeah. it's out there for everybody to see and it's a disaster it's, and it's a just it's a disgrace i mean but meanwhile the show at o2 was pretty good from what i was. understand i had it friends was. there so i mean you know they, they pulled it off but look it's too late now for led zeppelin that that's never happening like no, none of them can pull it off if it was going to happen it would have happened in 07 yeah around exactly then. i mean you know even if you even if going back to the taylor hawkins thing you look at john paul jones i mean the guy's skin and bones yep he could still play don't yes. don't get me wrong the guy yes. could still play i mean he could still play just like paul mccartney can still play you know but and and mark brings this up and this is one one thing and I'll, then i'll let this go you know chrissy hind is 71 but looked young next to paul that's true and then also he says her voice was still there and that is also true and that's because point out a time in the pretender's history where chrissy hind lived outside of her vocal range mm -hmm. she never pulled the you know the the sammy hagar <laughs> dreams thing right she never she never did that like the closest thing may have been i'll stand by you possibly maybe you know but that's it and she could still probably hit all those notes so she can live within that oh darlin is at the extreme range of paul mccartney's vocals yes. even then yeah he even started, then yeah you hear it you i mean you could he purposely would sing that song there's like i don't know 10 takes of it and yeah. he purposely sang it first thing in the morning when he got to the studio because he knew so it was all rough exactly rough and he knew it was going to take a lot out of him and yep. and and that's why he wanted to do it first thing so you're right i mean why he picked that song blows my mind i don't know i mean think about you want to talk about a fucking song book i mean literally yeah. throw a dart hundreds and you of songs <laughs> yeah i hundreds I don't that you could have chosen and you went with oh darling yeah like yeah, you I, would have been better off picking lullaby right. or good night or some other shitty song by ringo and to me you know like he's one of those guys where just his presence of being there means so much he yes. didn't even need to sing he could have just came out he could have just you know played I mean? like he could have just played the fucking bass and everybody would have lost their minds yeah which because i still think he's a criminally underrated bass player but like let any yeah i, I don't know i mean there has to be some reason why paul picked that song maybe it was maybe taylor told him that was like his favorite tune i don't it, i don't maybe. know maybe i don't but, know and if that's the case then it's this much forgivable yep you know then i then i understand a little bit more but anyway so that's the taylor hawkins special next one is september 27th uh in la uh indoors much smaller audience eighteen thousand people not eighty thousand. and different much performers of the, many of the same performers not you, all of them are the same you so know you're not going to get the guys there. you're not going to get oasis you're not going to get justin hawkins you're not going to get you know from the darkness you're not going to get all those guys you're not going to get i think brian may is coming i don't know if roger, roger taylor, taylor is. yes um but you Getty know you Lee will get, what's that this is gene simmons and i'll be performing at the taylor hawkins tribute i'll be performing maybe one possibly two classic kiss least, tracks at least two classic kiss tracks and the reason why i'll play two let me let you in as to why when they asked me i said it's fifty thousand dollars a song for me to perform so i said let me just do 10 songs half a million dollars i will I'll donate there. i'll donate one percent of the proceeds to taylor's family the rest goes in the kiss pocket which you can buy on kiss.com 
kisspocket.com, kisspocket.org, kiss wallet. And as I kiss always my say, ass. as I always say, to thy oneself be true. To the to myself be true is what I say. All Two the time. things I want to hit before we get off the Taylor Hawkins <laughs> thing. I just want to say props to or uh, not props, but I'm super happy for Getty Lee. And this is why when he did the book signing at Rock City in 2019, I asked him, did you get to talk to everybody you wanted to talk to in this book? Mike, you have a copy. You know, he interviews other Mm-hmm. famous bass players people he loves and he says you know the he said to me the only person i didn't get to talk to that i really wanted to was paul mccartney he's and he the was only, standing right next to him at the end of the night exactly he said he's the only guy i've never gotten to shake hands with and I, it would be so great for me to be able to meet him one day so it was awesome that taylor brought them together in that sense in fact if you remember paul mccartney was standing with getty lee and john paul jones so it doesn't get much better than that no that that was like uh, first of all the iq was about six but the the base pr- prowess was was way way high so. <laughs> and then also i want to just give a shout out to luke from the struts who i know lived his dream by front and queen he did a great job why did I just get confused and I thought you said the strains? No, the struts. <laughs> I'm in the strains. I was like, your singer played with Queen? <laughs> like, wow, why isn't the why isn't the strains bigger? Um anyway. And Wolfgang was killer. Yeah, but this <laughs> Wolfgang looks like he ate his dad. So <laughs> Oh my uh, god. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not a model of fitness, but you know. <laughs> You know, that's all that's going to be remembered out of this whole discussion. <laughs> Where did Eddie go? Asked What's Wolfgang. Happened, <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. Enough of that. I can't, I can't really make fun of him because he did such a great job. He, <laughs> he was sounded so good. Everybody brought their so A game. Everybody brought their A game. And there was that really, well, except for Lars. Lars. Well, that was Lars A game. That's like, yeah, he tried his best. <laughs> like, like oh, four, four. How do I do this? One, two. If what? You, <laughs> you know how many people I argue with about how shitty of a drummer Lars is? If you want any proof, if, if, you were, if there was ever any doubt, Lars Ulrich playing Let There Be Rock, he can't do the snare fill. He can't yeah. go dot, 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 dot. He couldn't do that. He had to count it on the hi-hat. One, two, one, two, nineteen. <laughs> he he is awful. And I know he's look, terrible. I get I know he's more successful than me and all that for all those people that Success go, does not equate to more records than you. Yeah, right. you're absolutely right. So this is a great segue. So now we're finally fifty minutes in. We're actually gonna get to our topic of the day. Um but we needed the preamble. We needed the Taylor Hawkins thing as the preamble because really that's what brought this up. And again, what we're talking about today are it's a drummer roundup. Did we say best drummers? No. no okay because nick you are a drummer all right yes. so tell me if i'm right on this one can we establish the fastest drummer maybe you can right i mean yes. you can, that's measurable yes. right you can measure beats per minute you can measure strokes per minute what have you can you measure can you find a drummer that can play the most styles yes yes right can you say that there's a best drummer based on those items? No. No, you, you can't. What you could say is it's the best drummer for this band, 
It's the best drummer for this song. It's the best drummer for this beat. It's the best drummer for these certain things. So we're not talking about the best. It's not because, again, this is very subjective. I know Nick has choices. I have choices. We split one immediately off the bat. Yep. Immediately. I had to take one. He had to take one. So I gave him his. I took mine. That was the way it had to be because yep. that's just the way we roll in this particular case. And you guys will understand when we get there. But. Any of these drummers that we're going to put on this list, and we're going to choose a song or two from each of them that kind of exemplifies their drumming prowess and why we put them on this list, okay? These are great drummers for one reason or another, okay? It doesn't mean they're the fastest. It doesn't mean they know the most styles. It just means for what they do, they're fucking great. Yep. Okay. So that's how this is going to roll. Now we're going to talk about a drummer again. We're going to mention, we'll talk about the drummer and then a song or two. And then if anybody has anybody, you know, that you want to add to this list as we go through it, please put it in the chat. We'll talk about it. Happy to discuss. So Nick, I'm going to let you go first. Don't pick the one that I gave. Let's save those because those are kind of easy. So that'll go to the end. Yeah. So Nick, as a drummer, you're going to go first. And give me a drummer. So with this one, I, I, I tried to just think of the drummers that I go back to all the time and who have influenced me and made me play the drums and have made me appreciate the instrument and go back and go, how do I get better? So that's what I built my list off of. Um, and as you mentioned, there's so many options. Um, but the first one I want to start with is the great, Steve Gorman of the Black Crows, um, one of my favorite drummers of all time. Uh, so much pocket, so much groove. Definitely from the school of John Bonham, um, but a lot of a lot of feel and just groove. I mean, obviously, Black Crows stuff runs the gamut of hard rock with songs like Remedy, mm-hmm. which was which was what I put on my list was Remedy by by the Black Crows. Oh, um, so that, that's your example song for him? Yes, yes, but okay. also uh, a song like Wiser Time from Amorica, which is a total laid-back ballad. Okay. Digging, digging into the Ringo style stuff. I just, I think Steve Gorman's a totally underappreciated drummer, and uh, he's he's fantastic. Huge influence on me. Great, great choice. I mean, you, you, especially on, like, Shake Your Money Maker, I mean, you get all that feel like yep. with all that, you know, because, I mean, you could play or you can have feel. Yep. You know. Or you could be Lars and have neither. <laughs> uh, for my first one, that was a great choice. For my first one, I went a little more prog. I went a little more contemporary. And I went with Denny Carey from Tool. Um, I know you how big of a Tool fan you are. Oh, yeah, huge. Um, but, and, and Danny Carey fan. Well, listen, Danny Carey, you gotta, whether or not you like the band, you have to say that this guy has really kept prog rock drumming alive. In fact, he's won over the past however many years top prog rock drummer. Uh, by Modern Drummer Magazine. So it's not just a popularity contest, though. There's a reason for it. The guy uses the drums like a tool, like, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, like, he actually uses it in a very uh, Peart-esque way, like turning it into another instrument, not just percussion, Yeah, which is what I really, really like about his playing. And the fact that he plays so many different polyrhythms and keeps it interesting. And when he's playing live, to me, that's a big thing, too, because... Tool is very visual as a band, 
if you've ever seen Tool Live, they do have a lot going on in the background and on the stage and lots of projections, things like that happening. And I focus on Danny Carey because he is just busy and just fluid with it too, which to me is another one of those intangibles. If you could play great, that's one thing. If you could play great and make it look stupid easy, that's really impressive. Yeah. So for me, that's that's why Danny is on my list. And if I had to pick a song... Um, Everybody's going to hate me for this one because it's stupid long. But then again, every Tool song is. Yeah, I don't know uh, any short Tool song. <laughs> I'm going to go with Third Eye. Third Eye from, from Enema, which uh, really is like one of those songs where it there's a lot of ebbs and flows, a lot of time signature changes, a lot of tempo changes. And then at the end, like he really just tears it up and shows all of his all of his great tricks and such. So that's why I went with Third Eye. Good one. People love people love Danny Carey. He is like the modern day Neil Peart. Where I think he really is. He's made so many people pick up drumsticks, and I think that's very important. Yep, that is a big part of it too. It's like what kind of influence did you? Have? And let's be honest, Lars did too, so that everybody could be like, I could do that shit. That's yeah. so easy, because uh, it is. If you're playing Metallica, uh, you're up next. <laughs> Actually, uh, that's a nice segue into this pick. I wasn't going to go with this guy next, but I'm going to now because I have a story about it. Um, my next pick is Bron Daler from Mastodon. Nice. I was hoping one of us would pick him. So. Yes. he Great drummer, and you talk about playing in bizarre time signatures and stuff and making it look stupid easy. Plus, Bron's one of those guys that, uh, you know, he'll be playing in, like, you know, 7-4 time and singing lead vocals and, and doing all kinds of shit. Amazing drummer. He plays on a small kit, too, which you'll notice most of my drummers are all small small kit guys um because i i love that but uh bronze amazing my segue for the um the lars story is i was hanging out with bron once and i said who are like your three big influences for drummers and he it didn't bat an eye he was like phil collins lars ulrich and i think the last one was uh vinnie paul and I said, wow, Lars? I go, that's you're like a million times better than him. And I said, and I can't stand Phil Collins either. And I knew Bron pretty well at this point, and he, had his, he has his beer. And I go, yeah, I don't really like Phil Collins that much. And he goes, uh, you're lost. And he just turns around. <laughs> <laughs> it's, almost, it's almost like my, my Grohl story. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, he was just like nodding. He's like, uh, you're lost. You're he lost. Around. Uh, bye-bye. <laughs> uh, song choice, I would say uh, Black Tongue from um, The Hunter by Mastodon. Great stuff. Great. It's in there. All right. Uh, my next one, um, I'm going to go a little more jazzy because you have to. Yep. Uh, I'm going to go Jeff Picaro, uh from Toto and Great many stuff. other things for that matter um, because Jeff Picaro, like, if you listen to anything like people like will put down Toto as just like the uh, we had we had Yachtly Crew on last week like the yacht rock band, okay, but we also talked about how the musicianship in those bands was so high, super high. Yep. And you got Picaro on drums and you got Steve Lukather on guitar. You know, two titans of that era as far as studio musicians, like those guys played on so many people's records. I mean, like Lukather would played beat it except for the solo, yeah. you yep. know, and Picaro played on, 
like everybody's stuff from the late seventies through the mid eighties. So the, you know. there's a rumor that it's Jeff Picaro on um on Lagrange by ZZ Top, and I think it might be just because there's a hell of a shuffle on that song, and nothing against Frank Beard. I think he's a great drummer. <laughs> That but, would be weird, though. Like, that seems almost pedestrian for Picaro. Yeah, but not if you sit down and try and play the shuffle exactly how it is on that record. Well, I won't. No, you won't, because I don't think you can play drums. I can. Can you? Yeah. You can play the drum machine. I know that. No, I can play drums. Can, can you? Actually, yes. Can I play like you guys? No. Can I hold my own? Yeah. Well, you there know. you go. But am I fancy pants? No. Can I do triplets? Yes. Who played drums on your cover of I Just Want to Stop? Me. With a machine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but if you listen to my cover of Hey, Hey, We're the Monkeys, that's me actually playing live drums. So, Mike, you can know. you tell everybody the name of your band, please? Yeah, the Jimmy Hoffa Experience. <laughs> so good. What's wrong with that? I mean, There's nothing on. wrong with it. It's a great name. Uh, anyway, as far as Jeff Picaro goes... Yes. Um, you want to talk about a shuffle, Rosanna. Yep. You know, like it's got so much going on with ghost notes on the snare underneath everything else that you may not be listening to, but you're feeling it. That's He's, why I really, really, really dig that. Cause I mean, like just, and he'll come out of a, you know, he ends a, a, a fill on a dime and he comes right back and he's just, he's just on. It's fucking Jeff Picaro. Yes. He's doing the bottom fool in the rain, which Bonham's doing from the Bernard Purdy shuffle on yeah, all the oh, Steely yeah. Dan records. If we, if we don't talk about Purdy, uh, you know Bernard Purdy at some point, the Purdy shuffle, that's like <laughs> that's the shuffle by which all of the shuffles are measured. That is the hardest so. drum beat to play in the history of drum beats. And you watch <laughs> it on YouTube, and he makes it so easy. He's like, "Well, here's how you do it." I watched him do it at Nam on an electronic drum kit right in front of my face at the Calzone Case booth. And you still can't do it. No, I still couldn't do it. He it was, he gave me his business card. Here, call me if you want to take some lessons. I was afraid. I'm like, I'm not calling Bernard Purdy. Are you fucking kidding me? Call the guy who invented the Purdy Shuffle to teach you the Purdy Shuffle. I don't have nearly as... as I don't have 1% of the feel that Bernard Purdy has. It would be an insult if I even tried to play the Purdy Shuffle. That's why he's charging you. <laughs> That's true. All right, your turn. All right. Highly underrated drummer, known for everything pretty much except his drumming. Massive influence on me, Tommy Lee. I love Tommy Lee. I think he's a fucking in-the-pocket, punch-you-in-the-face drummer. Gets down to business. He's not fancy. I love drumming like that. Um, great Tommy Lee drumming. Red Hot from Shout at the Devil. Uh, with the, all the double kick and everything but i also love too young to fall in love uh from shout at the devil because uh, gives you all the room to do all the stick tricks and everything but uh i always tell people all the time that i think that that's who i play the most like and that's tommy lee all right are you a tripod <laughs> that i'm not packing out tommy <laughs> lee no no one is though i am of course you are. Of course I am, because I lie. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, like, I'm also short, so, you know, I'm 5'8 on a good day. My tripod doesn't necessarily lean as low. Uh, it 
Don't need to. Anyway, so next up for me. Oh, thank you, Jerry. Appreciate that. What did Jerry say? Aw, that's so cute. Nick, you remind me of Grohl. In the sense that they're both men and have hair. They no, we both that. hit the drums very hard. You hit the drums ridiculously hard. Like, yep. I can hear your pictures. <laughs> okay? If anybody doesn't know, go take a look at it. And he's in the intro every week playing the drums. If you look at a picture of Nick playing the drums, you can hear it. That's how hard he hits. Yep. Okay? So, anyway. Somebody uh, told somebody told me a long time ago you either hit the drums hard or you don't play them at all. So that's the way yeah, to do well, it. Yeah, that, well, that's the funny thing. So you brought up Brandaler before. Uh, another thing, another tie-in with him and other drummers. He writes all the lyrics, too. So yep, there's like, yep, you know, yep. There's that. But if you watch his videos, like, he's just like, like, he's just like, looks like a super light touch, but his wrists are, like, super, like, strong. Yes. But you can't tell just by watching him. You're like, oh, this guy plays like a pansy. No. <laughs> no, he no, hits, no, he no. Atta- he knows how to attack. I watched I watched a whole yeah. Mastodon set from right next to his drum riser, thanks to our buddy Bob Tyrell, and it was I was ready to go home and throw all my drums away. That guy's <laughs> fucking unbelievable. He's great. Um, I went with Steve Gadd. Oh yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. I mean, how could you not do a drum? Th- how could you do a drum thing and not bring up Steve Gadd? You know, um, and. There's a lot to choose from here, and I went with two different things. Um, it's not any one particular band, obviously, because he's been more of a you know studio guy more than anything else, and a clinician. Uh, yes. <laughs> lots of clinics. Lots of clinics from Steve Gadd. <laughs> but Steve Gadd has played with everybody over the years. But the two things you probably really know by Steve Gadd, Asia by Steely Dan, and 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover by Paul Simon. You got it. You want to talk a shuffle? There's another shuffle right there. That whole like. I mean, that's all feel. And you want to talk a drum solo? The break in Asia is fucking oh, forget un- it. unreal. Yeah. Forget it. Forget it. I mean, again, bulletproof drummer, just amazing at everything he does. And uh, yeah, so those are my two my two songs for that one's Asia and Fifty Ways to Leave Your Lover. So yeah, great. Yeah, Gad's amazing. In fact, I'm considering Eric Clapton's playing here on Saturday, and as much as I'm not into Clapton, I want to go because Steve Gad is, is the drummer. Playing drums, yeah. Yeah. That's so pretty awesome. To me, it's worth going just because of that. Well, speaking of go, it's your turn. Ooh, let me look at my list here. Who do I want to go with next? Hmm. All right. Another underappreciated drummer that I think is so tasteful with his fills and just plays perfect to the song that a lot of people don't mention is Pete Thomas, drummer of Elvis Costello and the Attractions. Um, great stuff. I mean, can play the reggae feel stuff that that Elvis writes sometimes and then straightforward punk stuff. He's been Elvis's drummer since day one. If you go see Elvis right now, he's playing drums. Um, and I think that says so much when you've got a guy that's, I mean, Elvis Costello has had so many phases of his career and Pete Thomas has been the drummer the entire time and he's still killer. He hits the drums hard as well, even at like 70 years old and the <laughs> fill on the outro of what's so funny about peace, love and understanding is one of my favorites of all time. So that's the song we're going with. Yes. I can't type the whole thing. What's so funny dot, dot, dot. There you go. I'll get the rest of that in. So Pete Thomas from Elvis Costello. Yes. A wise and worthy choice. (laughs) 
Um, all right. Oh, stop that. Um, this one, well, I mean, it's, it's, again, if you don't put this person in a topic regarding drums and how well they play and how influential they are, there's something wrong with you. And that's Mitch Mitchell. Yes. From the Jimmy Hoffix. Oh, wait, Jimi Hendrix experience. <laughs> uh, and I mean, Mitch Mitchell was when you go back into the that point that, you know, late 60s ish kind of thing. Nobody was playing like Mitch Mitchell. No. You know, he was unleashed. And the best example that I can give that shows that is fire. What, um, uh, what about manic depression? It's I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying, like, for me, that if you want to talk about manic, I look to fire because that he was just like, you know, all those like like the almost the paradiddles he's playing on the snare as part of the beat, you know, and the shit he's uh, doing on the kick drum. In the yeah, just like yeah. and it's like didn't play it the same way twice, but it made it work every time, you know, yep. and sounded really, really good and just on the whole time. And his fills, which were not it wasn't like 5000 toms. It was like a snare and just rolls on the snare and like one tom, you know, yeah. and just made it all work and sounded like a symphony. The dude was the rhythm section. I mean, look, Noel Redding, great bass player. The show was Mitch Mitchell yes. back there for sure. Yes. So that's why where I went with why I went with Mitch Mitchell. I had Mitch on my list too, and I had manic Depre manic depression as the track. But yeah, I'll put I it mean, in there. It don't hurt. Fantastic drummer. You go, sir. Who? All right. Well, here here's another one that I think, like you just said, you can't have a conversation about drumming and not talk about this guy, Stuart Copeland of the Police. I knew one of us was going to mention him. Yep. Just uh, completely fresh take on the drumming or on mm -hmm. drums. Um, when when the police came out, you know, he tunes his drums really high, which you don't normally see. Um, obviously, of course, the reggae influence, but another just powerhouse. Um, hits the drums really hard, can play in all kinds of crazy time signatures. For me, the ultimate show of how great Stuart Copeland is, is if you watch the police reunion tour footage of when they do wrapped around your finger he does all this crazy stuff on a percussion kit that is l literally unbelievable i mean i can't it's 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 uncertifiable if you're gonna be making a playlist mike it's uncertifiable but um what a fantastic grip on rhythm and turning things inside out before he sits down on the drum kit and then, of course, blazes on that. So my two tracks for him were Raptor on Your Finger, the reunion tour version, and then the ultimate police song, in my opinion, Synchronicity 2. Slamming rock drums on that. I went with, like, I had him on my list. The song I went with was Every Little Thing She Does Is Magic great too yeah because that's chop central yes you know like alternating between like you know single hand and double hand hi-hat play lots of accenting and just being all over the kit and still coming back to one and being there and then a lot of really cool intricate ride work as far as the rhythm part portion of it yeah i mean Stuart yes. copeland's great now i did see the police on that on that reunion tour 
and he looked weird. He always looks weird. He's a he weird guy. He looked really weird because like he looked like he looked like he looked like he owned a white van without windows. He's also um, but given if you're going to put a negative thing on it, let's talk about the positive in that he's the only guy that will tell Sting what a fucking douchebag he is, which is hysterical. <laughs> I love that. But I mean like that like Coke bottles ain't got nothing on that guy's glasses. Like <laughs> Like I saw, I was in like the second tier at Madison square garden and I could see his eyes from where I was sitting clearly on the stage without looking at, you know, cause wow, that guy needs LASIK. Uh, How about, do you remember when Stuart Copeland, which I thought this was such an odd choice. I mean, even when I was younger, do you remember when Stuart Copeland toured as the drummer of the doors? Yeah. What? I mean, not that he can't do it, but Talk about having like a million dollar check and not cashing it. You know what I mean? Like, let's get this dude who's like super technically proficient and we'll have him play Roadhouse Blues. Let's see how it goes. I I don't know. I, look, I still find that weird. I still don't like the doors. Yeah, I remember you calling them the boars a couple yeah. weeks ago. You're out of yeah. your fucking mind. All right, listen. Doors are listen, amazing. Why don't you go hang out with Brondaler and tell him how much you don't like Phil I Collins. bet you he. I bet you he likes the Doors. He might. I don't take that away from him. <laughs> All right. Next up, for me, gotta go with the man of the hour, Mr. Dave Grohl. Gotta go with Grohl. Yes. Um, now Dave has played and will continue to play with absolutely everybody, which is what makes picking something hard. Um, but I went with something from Queens of the Stone Age. Did you pick No One Knows? No. I oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I actually went with... Uh, 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 I, Jesus Christ. I'm pressing the wrong buttons here. Uh, uh, where is it? I just had it. Song for the Dead. Ah, yeah. Great one. Because that's got that, you know really weird sort of like droney intro dun 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 dun, dun. And, and it sounds like he's not really it's not like he's sounds like he's just sort of making things up and like thinking about what he wants to do in the song but it's all like completely thought out it's you know like a lot of start and stop and start and stop and just like goes off Yes. So, yeah, I mean, for me, that's that's a great killer tune from that album. So Song for the Dead from Songs for the Deaf. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's confusing. From Queens of the Stone Age. Uh, but <laughs> who played drums on that track? Mike? I don't know, but Siri just started playing music off my phone. I don't know who Mi Porto Bonito is. <laughs> Oh, they, oh they're, they're the house band at La Casa Garcia, Mike. Ah, that's right. Where's my five-pound burrito? <laughs> but again, with Grohl, you can go any number of ways. I mean, you know, any of the stuff that he did with Nirvana, any of the stuff that he did when he played the drums for Foo Fighters when he, yep. when he was doing all those recordings. But as far as stylistically and sheer, you know, blunt force trauma, that Queens of Stone Age album, his drumming is, is top-notch. It's without a doubt great. Man, 
how how many more are we doing? Because I've got such a list here, and I don't want to skip. There's a couple I don't yeah, want to skip. Keep going. Do the ones you don't want to skip. Okay. Um, all right. Here's a guy I, I don't think gets enough praise, and we hear him a lot in Michigan, but I think he's underrated elsewhere, and that's Don Brewer of Grand Funk Railroad. Great drummer. Super, like, uh, he looks like a giant behind the drums because he was, like, six foot two, and then he had a six-foot afro on top on top of his head. But um, like Fletch. He's another guy singing lead vocals while he's playing the drums how he plays them. Mm. Um, my my picks for him are Are You Ready, the opening track from uh, Grand Funk Live. And, uh, of course, we're an American band, the intro fill, one of the most iconic drum fills there is. Yep. The cowbell into the fucking... Yes. Gall McCartney's got a great story. We were standing side stage and we were watching Grand Funk. And uh, they did... Of course, that's always their last song and they're playing it. Or, the, or Don starts the tune. And he does the fill. And he gets to the bop-bop. And in that split second before the guitar came in, Goldfish went, nailed it. He said, nailed it. And Don Brewer looked right over at us and was like, <laughs> he, he was like, you're damn right I nailed it. I wrote that motherfucker. <laughs> nice. Nice. Good call. Um, next up for me, I, I just totally forgot who it was. Where's my list? Jerry Leica, absolutely foot stomping music. Hell of a rock shuffle on that one. There you go. Where did it go? Where did it go? I literally... No, no. Oh, yeah, there it is. Okay, so I went metal with this pick. Um, and because he has a very long history, uh, not just in his current band, but in bands of years gone by. Amazing drummer in his own right, especially considering who he was playing with in the band that he got known for. Because you got to keep up with the musicianship of Paul Gilbert and Bruce Boulier and Juan Aldretti. And that band was Racer X and the drummer was Scott Travis. Yes. Now, Scott Travis, amazing, amazing, amazing metal drummer. I mean, the guy is the human metronome when it comes to metal. Incredible double bass technique. And as much as I wanted to pick Scarified, I will put Scarified on there. Um, as It's not like the best drum track. It's just a fun track to listen to, especially if you're into like shredder music, because everybody on that song plays like balls out that entire song. But Painkiller by Judas Priest. I yeah. mean, that set the tone i mean you knew there was a new drummer in the band the minute you put the needle down you on knew that it wasn't record, dave holland anymore it was that's like for sure. that's not that guy <laughs> that's uh, not that guy with the mustache very different here and you want to talk about tall i mean like i think there's some sort of like strange tall drummer club with like scott travis and danny carey and don brewer and like and bron and like yes, all these Bron's guys that are like too, yeah, yeah that, like all these guys are like super tall like they're like six foot four on average yeah. <laughs> like do you need to be tall to be a drummer no but it allows you to hit drums up here and down here and over here without moving from your stool so <laughs> yes so go so scott travis from currently of judas priest and formerly of racer x that was my god uh, he's been in judas story. priest like almost 40 years at this point 30 91 91 yeah, so yeah 31 years 31 yeah it's been a long time I mean, think about it. And they were in for 20 years prior to that. Yeah, they're old. <laughs> the only people older are the Scorpions. 
Pretty much. And they're still touring, too. Yeah, Scorpions. Their first record came out in, like, 67. Like the 1667. Beatles were, <laughs> the Beatles were still putting out records with the Scorpions. Were putting they were out still records. speaking Queen's English when they put that. It's like, the Scorpions shall be performing at the Globe. <laughs> that was when After they had, Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew. That's when they had uh, Uli, Uli Roth. Who is about 1600 years <laughs> and still wearing the same fucking headband yes <laughs> yeah i've got a great uli ross story too um oh god all right who's my next pick all right here's one that you'll appreciate mike no one's gonna know who this is but they should because his drumming's great and he's got one of the best recorded drum sounds of all time andy Sturmer. i jellyfish. knew you were gonna say it yes and- and not only does he is he a great drummer and does he have a great drum sound, but he's fucking standing up and playing the drums and he's singing lead vocals at the same time. Unbelievable. Criminally underrated. I mean, the, in every capacity. But the Tom um, sound, the Tom sound on split milk. Yes. Spilt milk. Sorry. Yes. My tongue is split. Now, the, the, the tom sound on spilt milk is what drummers hope to achieve. Yes. Like, and I've heard this from more than one professional fucking drummer. Yes. So like that, that, those tom sounds are just, you, you can't, it's like, un, it's like unobtainium. Yes. And so what, uh, song, what songs did you go so with? So I picked All Is Forgiven from Spilt Milk, and I picked King Is Half Undressed from Belly Button. Because I think those both showcase it. But you could literally pick anything. And you said the drum sound on that record. I asked Roger Manning how they did that. And he was like, oh, we spent like a month to get that drum sound. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. You know, yeah. they, they first of all, the engineers on that album, everybody that worked on that album, Jack Joseph Puig, like all these other guys that, that worked with them on that album, just, again, titans of the industry that were at the time up and coming. You know, um, and then, you know, sonically, they just turned the world on its head. And unfortunately, the band didn't do anything. Yep. But doesn't mean the albums weren't good. No, they're, they're masterpieces. Really, really good. Exactly. Um, let's see. I have. Wow. I got a bunch to choose from. Uh, again, another list. You can't have a list like this without including Terry Bozio. Right. Um, and. Terry, I mean, as far as, you know, his history, I mean, everything from Zappa, Missing Persons, UK, and everything else in between, you know, actually, he's been known more for clinics than anything else over the past 30 years. <laughs> but, um, but I mean, let's be, let's be honest, the dude, w- like, took Neil Peart's drum kit and Alan White's drum kit and um, uh, Carl Palmer's drum kit and made it a one drum kit. <laughs> if the fucking thing goes around. It like, goes around in a circle, and there's three rows of toms. Three. Yeah. Never mind the three cascading rows of cymbals. Like, how long does it take to build that damn kit? Could you time. imagine being his roadie? No, that's probably a very thankless job. To be to be fair, that I, whoever yeah. whoever his drum tech is doesn't get paid enough. You no, know that absolutely not. <laughs> Definitely does not get paid enough. A hundred percent. Because I mean, if you have that many drums, my lord, oh, 
Yeah, can't. it's ridiculous. That's, but you're right, he's absolutely amazing. I mean, just his is. work with Zappa alone is just... Uh, yeah, and that's where I'm going with it. So if you want to reference Terry Bozio, for me, Baby Snakes, all the live stuff, titties and beer. Yep. He's singing co-lead while wearing a mask and a Speedo. Yep. <laughs> and playing and... All of that, either that or Punky's whips, either Punky's whips. or if either you want to see, or if you want to see his skill in full force, the Black, Black Page. Page. Yeah. Yep, yep. Black Page is forget it. That's like one of those impossible. It is impossible. It's the only. Per, it's impossible in the fact that the only person that it's even slightly possible that they be able to play it is Terry Bozio. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and his son's a pretty good drummer too. So. Yep. Uh, all right, you're up. How many do I got left? Uh, well, we did, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I a couple more. Okay. Because uh, we're, we're at a, a, an hour 25 almost yeah. already. Well, I just saw Mark Garney brought up Carl Palmer. Carl Palmer does not like me. Why? I pissed off Carl Palmer. How did you piss off Carl Palmer? Well, we all collectively pissed off Carl Palmer. How did you collectively piss off Carl Palmer? I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. Okay. Um, So uh, a friend of ours in town, Meltdown, he's the the drive-time DJ on WRIF, and he interviewed Carl when he was coming to town for his uh, (coughs) ELP experience show, which was amazing. And uh, they were playing, or Carl was playing. He had a great band with him. And they ran this video at the beginning of the show that said, Carl's going to be coming out. He's going to sign autographs. He's going to take pictures. But please, no handshakes and no flash photography for whatever reason. Okay, that's what it said. Well, Meltdown missed that video. And uh, <laughs> Cole McCartney, it was mostly Meltdown's fault, to be fair. Um, so we the show finishes, and, and he played all the great ELP stuff, even Tarkus, all that stuff in its entirety. And he was like 70 and still just killing it on the drums. Yes. So we go up, and uh, we go to meet him, and Meltdown tells Carl's manager, you know, I interviewed him earlier this week. And he goes, oh, great, yeah, I'll have him come over to take a picture. Are these your friends, you know? So Carl comes over, and the manager goes, here, I'll take the picture for you. And he looks at Meltdown, and he says, there's no flash on the camera, right? And Meltdown's like, no, because there never is. But it was one of those things, I think, where it was on auto because we were in a dark bar, and the flash went off. And Carl Palmer was like, what the fuck? He got super mad, and the manager hands Meltdown his phone back. He goes, here, here you go. Thanks a lot. Wow. Yeah, he was not happy. I don't like Flash. Yeah, for whatever reason. So I'm Carl, blind. I can't play drums because they saw Flash. So, oh, no. So I Nigel, love Carl Palmer. Nigel, <laughs> I can't play drums. I love Carl Palmer as a drummer, but I don't think he likes me. That guy, Nick, what an asshole. <laughs> he, All right. he likes Flash. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh shit. I wanna I've got one underrated guy and then I've got four people I have to mention. Alright, well let's go because we're time's right. running short. My last underrated guy that I think does not get enough praise, fucking amazing drummer, Brian Downey of Thin Lizzy. Okay. Great Incredible. Call. Great feel, great shuffle, great groove, great everything. The two tracks to hear this. 
Emerald, of course, with the crazy hi-hat beat mm-hmm. going on. And then if you want to hear where every metal drummer stole everything, Massacre by Thin Lizzy. Massacre? Massacre. <laughs> nice. Yeah, Brian Downey's a legend. Yes. Just a legend. Um, all right. So I went with John... Bu- oh, no. Um <laughs> I man, there's so many people on this list, and I'm now now I have to get to the point where I'm getting like you know you got to get a little more you know particular. Um, okay, uh, yeah, I'm gonna do this one because well, I got two. Um, all right, so there's a band. Um, that most everybody here has not heard of. I guarantee it. Okay. Uh, the band is called Cephalic Carnage. Yeah, I haven't heard of that. They play ballads. Um, the drummer, John Merriman, is outstanding. He is by far, like, I don't understand how people can play like this. Okay, he's one of those guys like, um, all right, if I had to explain Cephalic Carnage, yeah, they're death metal, but they're like jazz death metal. Like they change time signatures every five seconds. That's and wow. Yeah, I mean, it's all over the place and how he's able to keep up with all these beats while when he's playing live, he just looks he, he looks like some bald nerd with glasses and it doesn't even look like he's moving. And he's playing all these blast beats and all this craziness. And it just like, and his head doesn't move. And he's just like, and and his head is just there. It's just like built. He's like, "Mm, I need a sandwich. So, yeah, I mean, that's, it's a little bit of an esoteric pick, but he is absolutely incredible. And if you're looking for drumming prowess, maybe not the style of music you're into. Okay. I guarantee that. But if you listen to a song called hybrid or, or a song called Jihad, uh, either of them by Cephala carnage, those are the two I'm going with. They're brutal. I mean, as far as songs, they are fucking brutal, but you have to respect the drumming. Like the drumming is just like, how did he do that? And yeah, some of it does sound sound like Dave Weckl in the sense that like, you know, if you want to do a Dave Weckl impression, you just dump your sticks on the kit. It's kind of like that in a way. Yes. Like how does it how does he hit every drum all at once? You're not sure. But that's kind of what he's doing. <laughs> and it's amazing because it's artful. So, that's my that's my next pick. I am completely unfamiliar, but that sounds amazing. It it so actually I'll check it is. Out. Yeah. Before before I get to my pick, I just have to give a shout out here. Britt Turner of Blackberry Smoke sent me a message that he's been listening for twenty minutes and wants to know why I haven't mentioned his name once. <laughs> because I'm gonna do it because he likes me more than you. <laughs> just like Carl Palmer likes me more than you, and Bron Daler likes me more than you. He might, well, I don't know. And he, they none of them have met me. Bron and Daler, they like me more than you. Bron Daler's not going to like you more than me because you hate Lars as much as I do. I hate Lars, but I like Phil Collins. Do you, though? Do you really? A little. 
Well, Britt's a killer drummer. I picked and, up Abigail. And I'm a and I'm a huge I'm a huge fan, <laughs> as he knows. So Britt, if you're still watching, he might have gave up because I because I, <laughs> I haven't said his name yet. You know what, Britt? I would give up on Nick as well. <laughs> we should, why does does he want to join us for the last couple of minutes here? I mean, why not? You know, he's more than welcome to. Let me send him a message. There you go. I'll send him the link. Well, you it, could send him the I'll link. I'll say if you want to get involved. Because I'll extend the fucking show. I don't care. Special guests always win. <laughs> In the meantime, you have to. You have to talk about this. I think anybody playing drums in rock and roll was influenced by him. Ringo. He's, he's the most important pick in a lot of ways. So the tracks, Ticket to Ride, of course, and Wanna Be Your Man, because he's singing on it as well as drumming. No, I'm you're just going to sigh heavily. Don't sigh, because how many... We talked earlier about even Lars has to get his due for how many people he influenced to play the drums. There is nobody that is responsible for more people playing guitar, bass, or drums than the fucking Beatles. Look, yes, 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 you're right. You're right. Ringo is probably the singular most overrated drummer, though, on the fucking no, planet. No, no, he's not. Se uh, second to Lars. No, the most. Yes. Nah, we're not going to get yes. into this. Yeah, we are. And the most what, what overrated. Was the other, I have Ticket to Ride. What was the other one? Uh, I uh, want to be your man. Oh, I want to be your man. All right. So here's my reasoning behind it. As the Beatles progressed and became. As the Beatles progressed, let's just say that throughout their career, Ringo got worse. No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. No, he didn't. No, he was totally in the pocket and had that great swing early on those first three, four, five years. Absolutely. At the end of the Beatles, Paul McCartney was a better fucking drummer than Ringo. I don't even start. Just let's yes, just he go, was. Let's just go to your next pick. No, he wasn't. Oh, stop it! Stop it! Who's that? Drummer I'm tired of everybody giving this Ringo worship. It's He's over. Fucking great. He's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not great. He was Jerry okay. Like a, look, look, Jerry, he like was, a listen to She Loves You. He cranks on that, too. Yeah, that was old, early Beatles. I'm not de denying that. Okay, listen to Come Together. That stuff was he's great. He's great on Come Together, too. He's uh, What about I, I Want You, She's So Was heavy. he actually great. on Come Together? Yes, he was. <laughs> you know, we have no idea who played drums on, like, Everything from the White Album on. Like, nobody knows who played drums on Paul what track. Only, no, Paul only played drums on three songs between the White Album and the end of it. What three songs? Uh, Birthday, Back mm -hmm. in the USSR, mm -hmm. and then um, uh, Maxwell Silver Hammer, I think. Three great drum songs. Probably three of the better drum songs from that era. Yeah, yeah. Birthday's really a cranking drum track. You're right. Ringo couldn't do it. Ringo could do it. He had no, quit he the band. Look, yeah. before you start ragging on Ringo, have your Beatles knowledge lined up. Don't start trying to square off with me with Beatles knowledge, okay? Well, you're saying that I don't know Beatles. You do know Beatles, but you don't know it like I know it. Yeah, well, it says you. You know it from the, the world it's according a lifestyle. to fucking Nick. It's a lifestyle. The Thank Nick's you. Bible. I wrote it, therefore I know it. You're going to be really unhappy with the next person I pick. Go ahead. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Where's Britt? He coming on? We need a referee. <laughs> He'll agree with me. You don't want him on here. I know who you're going to pick next, too. And I'm going to say the same shit. Um, so uh, who else I fucking got? Hang on. Roger! Shut up! See, even he's saying Ringo sucks really loud. 
Oh, no, he's not. Yeah, he is. At least that's how. Oh, you know who's the best drummer of all time? The drummer of the Steve Miller Band. Oh God, who do you even know his fucking name? He sucks. Bob Jones Smith person thing. I have no idea. <laughs> um, let's see. Let me go through my list here. Uh, wow, there's a. We used a lot of them. Um, cause you took half the ones I had too, but I knew that that was going to happen. Right. Um, this one's definitely in my wheelhouse. Um, <laughs> look what well, Brit, put Brit's comment up. Where is he? Oh, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the other line with Ringo. Hey See? Brit, do me a favor. Tell Ringo, not the biggest fan of his drumming, <laughs> but glad for his contributions to rock and roll. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that. Well, I'll give Brit, him that much. Brit and I have had this conversation. And Britt probably agrees with me. No, he doesn't. He, he should. He's a Ringo fan. That, yeah. Right. Both of you fucking drummers. Um, all right. So, again, going with... Uh, uh, I mean, there were a couple of people that I wanted to pick that I'm not picking. Like, you know, I didn't... I wanted to go with, with Alex Van Halen, but no... Um, he, was he right for Van Halen? Yes. Oh, was Alex right? Van Halen's a killer drummer. He was one of the people I wasn't going to mention, but what, yeah, I, but I'm not rag on Alex. I'm not ragging on Alex Van Halen. I'm just saying, like, there are other drummers that I I, I was thinking about putting them on my list. Um, but I'm trying to think of like more <laughs> impactful in a sense. Jesus Christ. No, no, no. You call Stuart Copeland. Don't call the actual police. Call Stuart Copeland and have him stop me. Uh, you just watch. You just watch, Brit. You just watch. I was going to put you up on the best drummer list, but now. Anyway. So, again, I'm not. Look, I'm not saying that Alex Van Halen's a bad drummer. I'm just not putting him on the list right now. Okay. Was he influential? Yes. Could he have done, like, I try to think, like, was he great for Van Halen? Yes. Would he have done justice to any other band if he was in it? It'd be kind of different, you know? It's sort of like the Omar Hakim if he was in Rush, you know? It's like, does he have the chops to do it? Yes. Would it be the same? Uh, you know, you know, not taking anything away from either one of them. It's just that I, I can't see him outside of what he was doing. But at the same time, does he deserve credit? Absolutely. Did he make a lot of people pick up drumsticks? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. You know who else made people pick up drumsticks and an extra double bass What's or an that? extra bass drum? Dave Lombardo. Yeah. Dave how Lombardo about, from Slayer. How about Gall McCartney referring to him as AVH? Well, I mean, yeah, he's Alex Van Halen. I know, but everybody always says EVH and then Alex Van Halen. I've never heard no. anybody call him AV. But he's Gall McCartney, so yeah, I mean, that's true. what do you expect? But yeah, I'm going with Dave Lombardo. Um, okay. Dave Lombardo, uh, now as far as like what songs? Anything. Pretty much anything on Rain and Blood and Seasons in the Abyss, the song. Because... It's one thing to be able to play super fast all the time. It's another thing to be able to do it tastefully as well. And yeah. Seasons in the Abyss, he creates an atmosphere and he just sits back and lets the music do its thing. And not every drummer can do both of those things. No. Which is why I give him a lot of credit for what he does. 
So, um, so yeah, Dave Lombardo for me, your turn. Oh, right, well. and let's, let's make this one the last one because we're running really long. <sighs> and Britt called the, Britt called the police. So. I need to, I need two more at least. All right. This one more and then the final and then that's okay. It. All right. One, my one more is Ian Pace of Deep Purple. I, I was waiting when that was happening. Well, th- these are my last two. There you go. Ian Pace of Deep Purple, the king of, the, of speed, the king of rolls, the king of fucking metal drumming. Lefty. Lefty. Um, the two tracks, Pictures of Home from Machine Head, but then the ultimate Ian Pace track, Burn. Without question, the whole fucking song's a drum solo. He is top tier. He's one of the best of all time. And I have him tattooed on my fucking body. Yes, you do. (laughs) Ian Pace is an absolute hero, and I think he belongs on the Mount Rushmore of rock drumming. (laughs) (laughs) Jerry Laker. We did an hour and a half for that. All right. About and, time, Nick. And Dennis says Fireball. That's a great one, too. Fireball Fireball was going to be my choice, and then I went with Burn. Yeah. Yes. Um, so uh, two picks left. Well, for me, uh, I'm going to go. Uh, and we talked about him earlier. And, yeah, he's, he's a session hero. Um, but the fact is he's a session hero because he can play anything, and that's Josh Freeze. Josh Freeze can play and has played with almost everybody, it seems, at this point. I think he's been on 400 albums, something like that. Wow. Yeah, he's like, he's like the number one session guy for drumming right now, as far as rock drumming. I mean, he was, he's been in the Vandals for a million years, but he's also the drummer of Devo um, and the drummer of A Perfect Circle. And yeah. if you want to look at what he can do, uh, Judith from Murder Numb uh, by A Perfect Circle is a great example of what he can do. But at the same time, he was also on, uh, I think it was a shadow zone by static X. He, he was on that whole, he played on that. He played on uh, scum of the earth a Rob zombie track off mission impossible too. Uh, you know, he's, he's done a lot of things that you don't know that were him. Yeah. It was credited to other people because other people were in the band, but he was the guy who came in and did all this. So yeah, Josh freeze, you know, I, it's funny. And in, in my time seeing bands, I, I think I've seen Josh in like eight different bands live <laughs> at one time or another because they needed a drummer. Last year, I saw him with The Offspring, you know, and then you saw him play with three different bands on the Taylor Hawkins thing. And yes. why? The dude can play everything yep. and anything and do it really, really well. You can close your eyes and not think that there's somebody out of place. So that's why I give him mad respect. Good call. All right. My final one. This is going to shock everybody. In my opinion, the greatest rock drummer and maybe the greatest drummer of all time. John Densmore. Nope. Oh, Jerry Leica <laughs> of black magic. Yes. I was going to say him. <laughs> I was going to nominate Jerry. Hopefully Jerry gets a kick out of that. Actually, you know what? I, I, we, before we go any further, this is true. Hal Blaine, got to give Hal Blaine a lot of credit. Yes. If those of you that don't know who Hal Blaine is, if you've ever heard of something called the Wrecking Crew, 
Hal Blaine was a central figure in the Wrecking Crew. And in fact, this dude was making like five grand a week in the 60s and 70s. Yes, All he's right? on everything. Yeah, and he was he was uh, playing in Vegas. Uh, with uh, He was Nancy Sinatra's drummer and actually was on the, on the marquee. Like, that's how highfalutin he was. Yes. So, you know, that's, that's kind of crazy. Uh, Chad Sexton from 311. Anyone? 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 Not familiar. So you've heard of 311. Well, yes, but I'm not familiar with his drumming. Well, we've changed a lot and then some. Should, some. I, should I do my actual final pick? Although uh, I do yeah, love Yeah, you Cher. should do your actual final pick because we got two more segments. Okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the greatest rock drummer of all time. This is a no fucking brainer. John Bunny Bonham. Carlos. John Bonham. Oh. I love Bunny Carlos though too. He was also on my list, but we just ran out of time. But uh yes. John Bonham. Yeah. No doubt about it. Yep. To me, to me, the drumming it, he's one of those guys where the instrument was one way and then he fucking played the drums and it and it changed the entire world. Um it's it, I after all these years of studying and listening and attempting to replicate the things that he does, I still find myself hearing things where I go, how did he even manage to do that? And, uh, you know, did all of that before the age of 32, you know, just completely, yeah. completely game changed the drumming game changed how drums were 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 recorded and uh you know i think he is the barometer in which all rock drumming is measured i know some people like to try and be cool like the same people that say they don't like the beatles and the same people that say oh john bonham's overrated john bonham is not overrated he is fucking mind-blowing phenomenal fantastic there will never be another there won't be anybody that comes close and uh yeah i think we should all be very grateful that a guy like that came along. So yeah. anytime when you talk about drumming, I think he's the ultimate person. And there's so many great drummers as we talked about. And like you said, at the beginning of this segment, Mike, it's not about who's the best, Yeah. but I think if somebody puts a gun to your head, there's one answer and it's John Bonham. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, if anybody disagrees with that as like a top one or two pick of greatest rock drummers ever, they're, if you disagree with that, there's something really fucking wrong with you. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry, because there are two drummers in my mind that made everybody pick up their sticks in general. Because there's a lot of these drummers we've talked about that came after Bonham. Mm. All right. A lot of these guys came after Bonham that were influenced by Bonham. Watch Dave Grohl play. Tell me he was not <laughs> influenced by John fucking Bonham. Yep. All right. Watch Sailor Hawk, uh, Sailor Hawkins, watch <laughs> Shane Hawkins influenced by Dave Grohl, who is influenced by John Bonham. Yep. So, I mean, like, it's like that, th this stylistic, massive tree trunk stick and wrists of fury thing that John Bonham did that a lot of people try to duplicate, but they, they kind of no. can't. Um, because and, he had finesse on top of it. Exactly. And that, you know what? I'm glad you just brought that up because I, I didn't say my track. 
the yeah. track that I picked, and of course you could literally pick any Led Zeppelin song. I saw Mark yeah. Garney say Moby Dick, of course. Yeah. Um, there's so many great ones I talked about in my time of dying a couple weeks ago. Yep. Amazing drumming. But to me, what showcases the greatness of John Bonham is the drum track from Rock and Roll. Because if you want to talk about finesse and you want to talk about power and doing something that sounds so simple that nobody can replicate how he, he's doing it, the drum track from Rock and Roll is a mind blower. And there's an isolated track of it on YouTube. And I encourage everybody to go listen to it because mm. you will you will hear instantly that what is giving that track everything is what John Bonham is doing on the kick drum. Yep. And the fact is, is that you watch how many bands cover the song, all right? Whether it be recorded live or whether it be in a bar or whether it be on YouTube, and they all get it wrong. Yep. Every last one of them. Yep. <laughs> they all get it wrong. Yes. So, you know, there's just one person that could play that song right and he's dead. Yep. <laughs> and his name was John Bonham. Yes. So, you know, let's let's give credit where credit is due. John Bonham, you know, was the, you know, just uh, undeniable. Uh, yep. That's that's all you can say. I mean, just a powerhouse of energy. Um you know, uh, Keith Moon was not mentioned. Um and it, tons of credit for Keith Moon. He was in our he was in the intro video. Keith Moon I didn't mention for several reasons, not because he wasn't a good drummer, but because he wasn't a good drummer. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, he didn't play the drums. He beat the living shit out of them until they screamed bloody murder. And like he was a lead drummer. I, yep. I guess is the best way to put it. And for me, if you're making the drums more about you than how it fits in the song, that kind of takes away a little bit. Do Keith I enjoy Moon. the who? Do I enjoy the who? Yes. Do I enjoy his particular style of drumming? Yes. Do I think that these drummers are better than Keith Moon? Quote unquote. I give them more respect than Keith Moon. You know, I'm not taking anything away from his ability. When he was in the pocket, he was fucking dynamite. Oh, he's the yeah, he's great. But like you say, Keith Keith Moon would only have worked in the Who. You yeah. couldn't have put Keith Moon in Led nope. Zeppelin. You couldn't nope. have put Keith Moon in the Kinks. Nope. Pick whatever band you want. You couldn't have put Keith Moon in Slayer. It nope. would have, like you know he's he it only that's the great thing about the Who. If you're a Who fan, I know there's a lot of people that don't like the Who. The great thing about the Who is that the four of them is what makes it the fucking Who. Yeah, that they're all crazy and they all do unconventional shit with their playing and they're mm -hmm. all nuts. You know, that's what makes Keith Moon perfect for the fucking who in terms of skill. Like you're saying, yes, he has it, but he is not to me. I talked about at the beginning. It's like drumming to me is pocket feel power and finesse. And Keith Moon has power. Yeah, of all of that. <laughs> he would have one of the four yes. at any given time, but no more than one of the four, yes. you know, maybe two <laughs> yeah. occasionally. But yeah, that's the whole thing. You know, I mean, if if you're talking about something like the real me, OK, shines. Yep. Absolutely shines. Bargain. Bargain. Yeah. You know, um, um, the kids are all right. Yep. You know. 
but then like there's other songs where he just like over fucking plays the whole fucking time as great as won't get fooled again is he's busy <laughs> he's really really busy and you think like well do we need that many drum fills randomly throughout the song while there's a guitar solo going on and basically a bass solo at the same time and a keyboard, you know, a, a, a synclavier, you know, there's a lot going on in that song. And I think that some of it, some of what Keith Moon actually took away from it, yep. you know, the isolated solo leading into the scream, the all right, classic, you, yeah, you can't touch Iconic that. moment in drums. Yeah. But, you know, if you're a lead drummer, you know, like you're 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 making the song more about you than the sum of its parts. So that's why I did not put Keith Moon on my list. So. Me either. I didn't put him on my list either. Um, cool. Well, my last pick. Um, oh, Tommy Aldridge. That's a great pick. Jerry. That was. Yeah. Oh, that's not that wasn't my pick. Oh, Jerry. Uh, Tommy Aldridge is great, but he overplays too. You know what, though? I agree and I disagree on that one because Tommy plays to the level of band that he's in. Because if you listen to like Black Oak, Arkansas, he didn't really do that. And Whitesnake, he totally did it. Yeah. You know, but it, it's depending on who he's playing with. So he tries, he's one of those chameleon-esque kind of players as well that can play with, I mean, look, the guy played with Ozzy, Black Oak, Arkansas, Whitesnake, Ted Nugent, like name the, the list is as long as your arm plus your fingers plus somebody else's arm of who he played with so you know he's he's really really you know just a, a classic drummer and he's about 106 years old at this point and still playing and yeah. still has one of the greatest froze in rock definitely has one of the greatest froze in rock yes uh <laughs> second only to don brewer yes yes um, but as far as my last pick, uh, to sum all this up, if, uh, you know, we didn't mention him because the, you know, at the beginning of this, before we did this, I said, Nick, I'll give you Bonham if you give me Neil Peart. And that was the agreement. And Neil Peart is my final pick. And again, as we were talking about with Bonham, if you don't pick Bonham as one of the top two, you're there's something very wrong with you. And if Neil Peart isn't the other one of those two, there's something twice as wrong with you. Again, there's no best, all right? There's no best. Do I prefer Neil Peart's, Neil Peart, whatever you want to fucking say, Neil Peart's playing over John Bonham? Yes, but that doesn't mean that Bonham's playing is bad. Bonham's playing is fucking awesome. I Just Rush is my favorite band. And there's a reason why Rush is my favorite band. I don't have a Neil Peart tattoo, okay? And I won't. All right, but that is a badass tattoo. All credit to Bob Tyrell, who hopefully is watching and will come on the show sometime. Yes. Um, let's see. Here we go. <laughs> Britt Turner says, I will pay $500 for Tommy Aldridge's instructional video. You know why, Nick. Yeah. So if anybody out there has like the Hot Licks video or whatever it is that Tommy Aldridge did, you got to buy her 500 bucks right call, there. If you call Britt's bluff, he, will, he probably will pay $500. Hey, if you pony up. You know, you put it out there. You better pony up, play a couple of extra, you know, gigs, and, and you make up the money real quick. Um, there's a reason why this person is not on the list too. He was on my list, but we we ran out of time. Yeah, well, there's a reason why he's not on my list. Um, yeah, there you go. So Neil Peart, I mean, stop it! It's my turn, you dick. Um, Neil Peart was just inventive. I, I, I mean, there are a lot of other prog drummers. And there are a lot of other prog drummers that used different percussion within their kit 
but nobody was as musical as Neil Peart with it. You know, he really turned the drums into a true instrument. And never mind the fact that he was, you know, blessed with, you know, command of the English language and wrote 98% of the lyrics that Rush, uh, you know, Rush ever recorded. But the fact is, is that, you know, he would hit these drums a million tons of pounds per square inch every night with blistering speed and a fluidity that is unparalleled. And then 25 years into his career decided to take drum lessons. That's the best thing about Neil Peart for me. <laughs> That's my favorite thing is he just said, well, I I'm tired of how I've been doing it. So let me just relearn how to fucking play. I mean, yeah. like, yeah, just, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. And you knew that it was different. You know, the first tour afterwards, he played almost strictly traditional grip yeah. for everything. And I guess he was just like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Some of this stuff I should probably go with match grip. That's fine. Traditional grip is where you see, like, it's a very jazz-style grip. Where Can you demonstrate what that would look like, more or Pizza less? Pizza grip? I don't have a stick with me. Or I would you, show you. You got a pen? I don't. I don't have anything that could... I can't well, do it with a Mick When they Ultra talk about pen. match grip, it's basically grabbing two drumsticks like this, essentially. Yes. When it's traditional grip, one hand is like this, kind of using it like a, like a, like a cantilever you know leveraging your 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 fingers and your wrist in a very different way to get more bounce you see it a lot with buddy rich uh yeah you know, oh, all very the jazz much guys um yeah. levon helm was a big guy with the mm -hmm. traditional grip who was also on my list um todd todd Zuckerman. yep todd Zuckerman's another one yeah a lot of people because I, apparently buddy rich's big thing was you get the speed with the traditional grip more than you do the match grip because you, you get the bounce. that yeah exactly um and Buddy Rich also said the drums died when uh, when everybody's creative thing went to this. Buddy Rich was an asshole. He was, but he was one of the fucking best. <laughs> he, oh, no, he was. If there is a best, if it's there him. is a best, we have to be honest, it was Buddy Rich. Yeah. Because that guy did things that nobody else did before or has been able to do since. Yep. There is no Buddy Rich tribute that... Yeah. mimics anything he did i mean the guy would be like choking his hi-hat with his with his hand with his left hand while having a stick in it and hitting it underneath with while hitting the top going. with the other hand smoking a cigarette you know and just doing this whole thing and then like I, it's just, you watch it and you go how the hell did this guy do this so is there any one there's buddy rich is not on the list not because he's not good like there's no one song that could illustrate how good he is so putting like a buddy rich song on is not going to do it you need to watch a buddy rich video you need to go on youtube you need to watch especially even later in his career like he's wearing a full fucking tuxedo and doing a 10 minute drum solo and blowing everybody away and then what you have to find is Buddy Rich screaming at his entire band on the tour bus. One of the, one of the classic lines from Seinfeld, too. When, Which one? When, when George says, I'd love to take you outside and show you what it's like. That's from the Buddy Rich tapes. Oh, there you go. So, but I mean, like, there was at one point Buddy Rich was playing with a broken arm. 
right? Buddy Rich was doing Buddy Rich things with a broken arm, and he laid into his whole band like, I'm playing with a broken fucking arm! You guys can't even get your fucking reeds right in a fucking saxophone and effing this and effing that. And, oh, my We're God. We're clamming up the joint. You're clamming up the joint. What the fuck is wrong with you motherfuckers? Like, just totally... Now, the best Buddy Rich story I ever heard, somebody, Buddy Rich had passed away, and uh, somebody from the band, or had been in the band, called his wife, said, hi, may I speak with Buddy, please? And she said, I'm, I'm sorry, Buddy's passed away. Oh, I'm very, very sorry for your loss. Thank you. Hung up. Called back five minutes later. Um, can I speak with Buddy, please? She's like, he's passed away. Didn't you just call five minutes ago? He's like, yeah, I was just making sure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) My favorite thing about Buddy Rich is that he insisted on all of his signature kits having two floor toms. And if you watch any video of him, all the second floor tom is there for is to put his towel in his ashtray. Yeah. He never uses it. Was it tuned? uh, Knowing him, I'm sure it was, but... (laughs) But it's, it's always just like the table for all of his shit. It's there just sitting go. on the second floor. All right. Well, my songs for Neil Peart, getting back to that again, yes. um, which, by the way, Neil played with the Buddy Rich band during the Buddy Rich tributes and things like that and did a great job. Amazing job. Uh, two examples that I'm going to give, um, both a little bit off the beaten path. From Rock and Rio, uh, I, I think it's really important for you to hear the, the O Baterista drum solo. Uh, because I think it's, uh, it's just amazing the way that he is able to play three quarter, like he's playing like a swing with his feet, but seven, eight with his hands and then in and out of four, four, and then playing along with the tracks to the, uh, uh, the Duke Ellington big band and just, it's just an incredible drum solo. So he's that's being you know, Neil Peart, basically he's being very Neil Peart. Um, but then as far as a straightforward song, natural science from permanent waves, because Amazing. that track, the, the hi-hat work on that track is so fast and he is just, I mean, again, it's every Neil Peart ism there is in one song and just absolutely amazing. So, uh, so those are my two, um, and that pretty much wraps it up as far as our drummer roundup. Now we've gone two hours already. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, so we need to get through Discovered and This Song Sucks and call it a day for everybody. And look, Patrick's a smart guy. Uh, he was listening to Rock and Rio earlier today. That drum solo was great. Absolutely. It's phenomenal drum solo. Pat must work late because he always pops in towards the end of the episode. Yeah, there you go. Or maybe he just doesn't want to listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to be honest. For this week, I didn't think of a cover. So I'm going to have to think of one while you're talking about one because I don't, I don't, I don't have one. Okay. Well, my cover, my cover for this week's discovered segment is a fantastic cover of No Matter What, the Bad Finger song by Jellyfish. Ah, that's talked a good to, one. Talked about Jellyfish a couple of times this episode. We we managed to talk about them almost every episode. Well, but, it's funny that you bring that up cuz now I know what I'm going to pick. Okay. So, um, oh, I think I know what you're going to pick. Um, yep. But uh, the reason why I wanted to spotlight this is it, is it will be on the upcoming 7-inch box that we've discussed. It's the B-side to, um, I believe, Ghost at number Yay. one, I think. 
Yeah, it's coming soon. Coming soon, I think. Yep. It's supposed to be on the water this month. Yes. Because it's coming from the Netherlands. So. Well, you know a lot about what's on the water. <laughs> and how, how often that doesn't go as it should. Yeah, it doesn't go quite as planned. <laughs> so it's supposed to be delivered in September, which means December. Yep. Of 2023. <laughs> but well, we will we will see and then we will talk about it at length yes, i'm sure of it yes yes uh as far as me i'm gonna go on the same uh wavelength uh i'm gonna go jet by jellyfish they do an incredible cover of paul mccartney and wings jet yes. and that is also on that box set but actually you could see both of these songs back to back in one video recorded live in germany on youtube yep. so if you want to check that out it's it, they start with jet and then they go into no matter what and they they just Lay to waste both songs. In fact, I'm going to be honest. I like that version of Jet better. It's great. I just there's something about the energy of it that's just great. And when you have four singers in the band, <laughs> you know you get all the harmonies. No matter which lineup. Yep. No matter what lineup it was. And by the way, let's go back to the Taylor Hawkins thing. Wasn't it great to see Jason Faulkner in there? Yes. Yes. I was like jellyfish. Yes. yes. And he played like three different instruments as well. He played keyboard, he played guitar, he played something else. So that was pretty awesome. Yeah, he's another multi-instrumentalist genius. Well, he is. Well, you know what else is genius? The introduction for this song sucks. Spin it. I hope Britt's still watching because he'll really appreciate this song sucks. Yeah, Britt. Come on, man. You got to be here with us. Be here. Be here now. Wait, that's Oasis. Uh, all right, you ready, kids? It's time for this song sucks. <laughs> it does not get old. No, in fact, that needs to be longer. Wait, let's do it again. Okay. <laughs> so good. Come on, it's 15 seconds of gold. It is. It right really there. is. That's gold, Jerry. <laughs> it's gold, Jerry. <laughs> it's gold, Roger. Roger's been fairly okay, except when he hasn't been tonight. Yep. All right, so for this song sucks, I went with Drum Fest. I, I went with, you know, drum, drum, because we've been talking about drums all night. And my favorite drummer... The best rock drummer ever in the world is Lars Ulrich. <laughs> now, Mike, when you say best, you actually meant worse, right? It's opposite day. <laughs> I mean, look, if he came on the show, I think I'd have a problem. <laughs> I think I would have yeah. a real big problem because, I mean, I met Lars. You know, he's okay. Um but as far as drumming goes, I mean, all right. Lars is to drumming for people learning how to play drums as Ace Fraley is to guitar for people learning how to play guitar. Do not follow either one of them <laughs> because that's why I suck playing guitar because I was like, Ace Fraley is my hero. Oh, I just take a pick and just bang really hard and move my fingers fast. And that's a solo. 
You know, I mean, that's kind of what it was when Ace was on. He was on when Lars is on. He's still not on. <laughs> no, he's never on. You know, when it takes six months to do drums for an album because you're too busy editing everything. Right. I'm sorry. There's a problem. My biggest thing is like, why can't he keep his tongue in his mouth when he's playing? Well, what, what else is, is he going to do with it? I mean, he's just like. Like what? What, what is it? Like is he six? Like, no, I, I just... Yeah. Could you imagine Lars Ulrich f playing drums in a band for Joe Cocker? <laughs> the the tongues and the just and gesticulations the and just everything that would be happening all at once with like uh, was was it Verdine from Earth Wind and Fire playing bass? <laughs> Verdine, right? Yeah. yeah so, Verdine like, White. Yeah. Just get the three of them on stage and be just like forget it like you know it's like tourette's fest no offense <laughs> to anybody who has tourette's but i mean you know that it would be that kind of deal so anyway wait there's comments lars uh, is see. literally the oh there worst. we go see jellyfish is the best band in the world Britt turner i knew i liked that guy yeah he's right he yeah. saw how about he saw jellyfish uh play at rich robinson's wedding wow yeah that doesn't suck no that's Jeez. pretty amazing that that is pretty amazing so um, is there video? No, probably not. Unfortunately, probably not. Did, did they play jet? <laughs> um, so this song sucks. And again, Lars Ulrich, well, are you bring gonna, him up. Yeah. You're going to give an example. Up. Yeah. Not only is this some of the worst, some of the worst drumming of all time, but by far the worst drum sounds of all time. Ladies and gentlemen, this song sucks presents Saint anger the song or the album the, well the whole album sucks but that song like is the worst thing to happen to snare drum since the invention of the snare drum like bob rock should be drawn and quartered for even letting that happen or listening to metallica and being like Oh that yeah, good, guys. No, that. Uh, let's see. Hang on. Wait. Let me count my millions. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm playing bass on this album, getting paid for songwriting credit. Oh yes, it's the best drum sound. No, we couldn't possibly do better. It's terrible. It's the worst. It's terrible. And I think I've even told the story before. Carrie King was over my house a million years ago, and I had a banjo in my bedroom, and he went to go pick it up and play something, and he hit the the, the top of a banjo as a snare head. He hit it. And it was like, clang. He's like, wait, this is St. Anger. Clang, 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 clang. And it sounded just like that damn snare drum. <laughs> yeah. So now I know the inspiration. But yeah. I don't know. That's one of the greatest mysteries of all time. It's like how no one, no one in their circle, no one at the label, Bob Rock, as you mentioned, no one said, hey, what the hell is going on with this? I mean, songs and bad riffs, and the best thing about St. Anger is there's no guitar solos from fucking Kirk Omelette, but... Kirk Omelette. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that snare drum, oh my God, it's is it so, bad? It's so abysmal, and, and that's, I mean, like, that's a failure on so many different fronts. Yes. It's not just one person. It's, like, everybody from Lars to Bob Rock to, Lars, to Kirk Omelette to <laughs> James Hatrack and uh, you know and everybody else in that band and their management and their record label 
not putting a stop to it. Yeah, it's awful. You it know, really it's is just awful. It's and I mean, if I mean, you could literally pick though any Metallica song and say it's got bad drumming on it because there's no good example of Metallica drumming or Lars Ulrich drumming. Like, what about? What about you as a drummer? Why are all of his accents on upbeats? It's like they come out of nowhere always. Like listen, like their cover whiskey in the jar. Like it's like immediately it's offbeat. It's, it's what is like, he thinking? It's the anti bottom. Yes. Like bottom oh, always played a little bit behind the beat. Just a little like a hair behind the beat. And Lars is just like in front of everyone. Just just put him just put him in the audience he wants to be that far in front of the band <laughs> you know yes god he sucks um breaking news by the way breaking news i have a confirmation for our show on 928 i thought it was we 21 will be well, they can't do it then okay 928 september 28th three weeks from today we will have the band fuzzbubble joining us now you say, who is Fuzzbubble? Fuzzbubble was the only rock band that Puff Daddy had signed to his label. And they are an incredible power pop band. And we're going to have a power pop summit and talk about Jellyfish and talk about Cheap Trick and talk about the Beatles and talk about XTC, you know, XTC and, and talk about the uh, 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 whoever did Heartbeat is a love. The DeFranco family <laughs> and all those other power pop bands that deserve to be recognized, including Fuzzbubble. Because they're actually reuniting and they're doing some shows and they're playing in New York on November 19th, opening up for the last in line and zebra. So uh, that's going to be an interesting Tell show. Tell me what you want. Zebra. Yep. Well, the last in line as well. I mean, that's everybody that was in Dio's band minus Dio. So yeah, um, I've, I've actually shared the stage with last in line yeah, a couple well, of times. That's, that's the, well, look at you go. Is your name Lars Ulrich? <laughs> No, I can tune my snare drum. Thank you very there much. There you go. Fair enough. Hand built so, by Jerry Leica. Thank you. What's that? My snare drum's hand built by Jerry Leica. Nice. You didn't build mine. No. I don't. Van have Halen one. tribute snare. Nice. It's got the it's got the EVH stripes all. I was going to say, is it like this long and it's and it's made of plexiglass and <laughs> has one? It's this round and has a dot and that's it. It's it's actually an octobon. Yes. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, that was my pick for this song sucks drum themed version. Nick, what you got? Oh, wait, should I play the should I play the thing again to, to lead you in? Would that be all right? I think we need to do it one more time. Okay. <laughs> It's it better every it's time. It's funny every time. Yeah, it is. Okay, what's your song? What are you contributing to This Song Sucks this week? All right, I hate this guy as a drummer. I hate all of his solo work. I hate... <laughs> I hate... <laughs> I love how this is going so far already. And I really hate this song because as a drummer, everybody has to ask you if you can do this. And the song is In the Air Tonight, Phil Collins... Stop asking me about that stupid fucking drum fill. There's nothing hard about it at all. You just need a lot of drums. And a and, lot of gate. And a lot of gate. And be very short and look like Grandpa Monster. And you'll be able to <laughs> nail it spot on. I right. 
I, Bron Daler, Bron Daler, I know you're watching Bron Daler, and uh, you're more than welcome to come on at any point and punch Nick in the face for not liking Phil Collins. Now, do I think that Phil Collins was this crazy, amazing drummer? No. Was he good? Yeah, he was good. Until um, he got behind the th- on the throne for Zeppelin. That, to quote, notwithstanding. To quote, my, to quote my dad, one of my favorite quotes my dad's ever said, he goes, yeah, I remember watching Live Aid in 85 and seeing that disaster take place, and all I could think was, I don't remember there being a lot of ride symbol in Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Exactly. There's no there's no ride symbol in Led Zeppelin. Now, but mind with you, Phil Collins Led Zeppelin, there was quite a bit of ride because symbol. Because he didn't know any better. But but I will give him credit for one thing. There is do you know the thing about Phil Collins and Live Aid and how that whole thing worked? What that he got on the Concord and yeah. he had to come up yeah, big fucking deal. Oh, I thought that was fucking awesome. Come on, man. Don't be a dick about that part of it. His performance was terrible, but at the same time, the dude started in England kicked off Live Aid in England, went to the airport, took the Concorde, flew to New York, took a fucking helicopter to fucking Philadelphia. And then drove the Led Zeppelin jet right into the ground. Yes, what he, he did. did. He did drive Spaceship One into the ground. Um, right? That's what it was called, right? Mothership. Led jet. Mothership, sorry. Uh, spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so tired of hearing about the Concorde. <laughs> No, it's no. He sucks, and he's also responsible for all that terrible '80s Eric Clapton. Like it's in the way that you use it and pretending all that garbage. He's got a hand. It's in the in way that. that you use it is not a bad song. Oh my god, it's one of the worst. Are it's you serious? It's not. It's a good tune. It comes and it goes, and it goes. You come and go. Away. It's and from awful. what I understand, from what, what your girlfriend says, is more going. No, Phil Collins sucks. I hate his drumming. What about now he can't even play drums? That's a blessing. All right, now that is where you and I are going to agree. So, I mean, if anybody's seen Genesis recently or videos, I mean, the dude comes out and sits in a chair for the whole show because he's got such bad back problems. It's like, well, I, I want a tour, but I want a sofa. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, thanks for putting all the effort in, Phil. I, look, I give, him, I give him credit for trying, but it's just kind of sad. Is it, oh, darling, Paul McCartney trying to sing it at 80 sad? Yeah, actually, it is. It's, it's that sad. Yeah, because at least, oh, darling's great. Yeah. Well, what? You know, invisible touch isn't really, you know, bringing home any fucking bacon at this point. <laughs> and, you know, while I'm at it, oh, fuck no. Mike Rutherford, too. Him and his... <laughs> His 12-string guitar and his bass and his whatever. He's got 15 necks going. Are you, can, you hate Mike and the Mechanics, too? Uh, for sure I do. Why? Because he's responsible for it. Mike Rutherford's in that band. Yeah, but Daryl Sturmer played, uh, Stumer played bass. Sturmer? Sturmer. Not Andy Sturmer, but Daryl Stumer. <laughs> Call McCartney. He yeah. can't decide he what can't to decide play. He can't decide what to play. Exactly. Well, the thing is, he was, you know, but, uh, people just kept leaving Genesis, and nobody kept coming into Genesis. So right, he sort of had no choice. They couldn't work with what, what that other asshole's name, Tony it's like, Banks. Well, Tony Banks has always been there. So you, all right, so you had five members of Genesis. And then Peter Gabriel's like, I'm out. I want all the money. And they're like, I right, cool. And then Steve Howe's like, uh, Steve, uh, not Steve, Steve, uh, Steve Hackett's like, I want to sabotage the rest of my life. So let me just leave Genesis <laughs> because I want to do things like GTR because that'll be, <laughs> that'll be great. That'll be great. 
so I could play second fiddle to Steve fucking Howe in that band. Um, Steve Howe's better, to be fair. That's what I'm saying. Like, he would play second fiddle to Steve Howe. Like, you know, like, oh, yeah, let me start a band with Steve Howe so I could still be, like, unrecognized. <laughs> like, way to go, Steve Hackett. You know, put this, file this under, like, career suicide number five. Anyway. Mark or Pat says, uh, I still like Abacab. I agree. If there's Abacab's one Genesis, a great album. Like, it's a great song. I don't know about the album. The song is good. And yeah. I also like misunderstanding because Phil Collins says he went round there. Hopped okay. in my car. I went round there. That's great. Oh, wait. Uh, Patrick, the question is, should the screaming at the end be a little longer? And you know what? He's absolutely right. So let's let the whole thing play out. Feel better? Hope so. And if we want, if we want just the scream, just the scream. <laughs> Best soundbite ever. All right, I think we've done like three shows in one now. Oh, there, see, at least he was, he was appreciative. So. <laughs> All right, this has, been, this has been a lot of fun, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us again for our tomfoolery. We actually held double digits for a while, but now we're down to four, which tells me it's time to go. So let's start the jingle. And thank you all once again for joining us. Uh, thank you uh, for our uh, special quiet guest, uh, Britt Turner. Thank you so much for, for putting in your two cents occasionally and for calling the police, not the band, uh, on us. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Exactly who, what's going to happen in two weeks, I don't know. But in three weeks, we will have Fuzz Bubble, Power Pop Band Fuzz Bubble with us, joining us, uh, talking about their uh, couple show reunion that they're doing. Uh, Nick, what store do you own? Rock City Music Company. And where can we find you? RockCityMusicCo.com. And where are you located? Livonia, Michigan. And do you have any sales? Got tons of sales. Record Great. sales, guitar sales, all that. Come come see us. And we got a couple huge announcements coming up, so make sure you're paying attention. Are the announcements actually larger than the average announcement? I'd like to think so. Okay. Well, then I'm in. You know, uh, this, is, this is big. We like big. <laughs> Mark Arney's like, yeah, we've found our target audience uh we, we have and that target is now firmly on our back so we're going to say goodnight to y'all thanks again for joining us remember if you want uh if you haven't done so subscribe hit like all that other fun stuff here on youtube and also if you want to check this out in about an hour or so it'll be up the audio version will be uh, up on uh, apple podcast and are Spotify you making a playlist podcast. too yeah i'm gonna make a playlist for this i actually have a whole spreadsheet uh, that I mapped out. So there'll be a playlist next day or so. I still have to finish the, <laughs> I still have to finish the other playlist from last week. I will do it. I promise it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I promise. But uh, we'll see you guys in two weeks. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you soon. Peace.